Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Eason's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below and let's get straight into it. Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here today by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast. We're going to be reviewing the All Ireland Senior Football Championship in greater detail. We're going to be grading every county from A to F based on their performance in the All Ireland Senior Football Championship and the National League this year. Now, the grades will be based on what uh, each county was looking to achieve at the start of the year. Obviously, for example, if some counties get an F and some counties get an A, it doesn't necessarily mean the, the county that gets an A is better than the county that gets an F. But um, obviously, it is based on, on what they were looking to achieve at the start of the year. I suppose, first of all, I just want to give a huge thank you to everyone who subscribed to the channel recently. We just hit uh, 2,000 subscribers. So massive thanks to anyone who uh, has been watching the podcast and watching the channel. Uh, it was four years ago tomorrow, actually, that I set up the channel. I only made a couple of uh, a couple of videos, actually, for the first couple of years, really up until 2020. So uh, a big thanks to, to anyone who has subscribed or, or watched the videos uh, this year, because this year has definitely been the year the channel has definitely kicked on a bit more. I suppose, Matthew, first of all, uh, how's life for yourself? Yeah, Grand Darren, I suppose GA season's over now. It's a bit upsetting that way, but I suppose it's brilliant for you. 10-year anniversary today of uh, that winning point by Stephen Clarkson, an unbelievable achievement. But yeah, as I said, GA season's over. We have to concentrate on the soccer now, but the club championship's underway, so that's probably the main thing. And hopefully we'll get to go to a few games in the future. I hope I get to go to a few games in Parky Keeve, the semi-finals or the finals of the Cork Club Championship. So we've that to look forward at least. Yeah, absolutely. And we are doing this live, so make sure to uh, to get your comments in in the comments down below, and we'll certainly read out a few uh, a few comments along the, along the way. I suppose we'll start off with the Leinster counties, and as I said before, we'll be going through every county in Ireland, obviously Barron and Kilkenny, because they don't have a football team, and obviously London and New York didn't compete in uh, inter-county GA this year. We'll start with Leinster. We're going alphabetical order. I suppose Carlo. Um, I mean, like I suppose for them, like in 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 some ways, like obviously they you know got trashed by Waterford, or they, or they did trash Waterford, I should say, in the in the national league. They beat Wexford as well. They got themselves into uh, you know a national league playoff, trying to get into Division Three. Like, what were your thoughts on Carlo, and what grade would you give them? It was a decent season for Carlo. They've developed well enough under Noel Carudo. Like um, Torlock O'Brien losing him was always going to be a challenge for Carlo, but. Overall, I'd probably give them a C, even knowing my expectations. They weren't expected to do much now in the Leinster Championship, but the fact they beat Wexford and Watford so convincingly, like, that was a brilliant achievement to do that. But disappointing to lose to Lowe's and lose out on automatic promotion, but I suppose Lowe's are a decent side, developing well under Mickey Hart. So I suppose for Carlo, like, they're a small county, kind of overachieving, but for this season alone, I'd say even knowing my expectations, a C for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that as well. Like, obviously, they were comfortably beaten by Longford, which I'd say was a disappointment for them. But like what you said, like they have kind of moved away from, I suppose, that sort of defensive system they would have had under Turlock O'Brien and Stephen Poacher, who obviously would have been there as well. And obviously, he's well known as being a predominantly defensive coach. So they have kind of moved away from that. And Dara Foley, John Murphy... 
Paul Broderick as well. Like I suppose Division Four will be tough next year. Like you're going to have Cavan and Tipperary coming down. I think Wexford and Sligo are going to probably kick on a little bit next year as well. So, but look, listen, they're they're a team that does have a lot of experience, and I mean, you wouldn't rule out a push for for promotion in, in 2022. It is a long way away, of course, but you wouldn't rule it out. Absolutely, you wouldn't rule it out whatsoever. Considering, I suppose Cavan are probably a step above everyone else in Division 4, but you look at Tipperary, they're losing a lot of players. A lot of their players are getting old, though. The likes of Connor Sweeney, for example, is nearing 30. Michael Quindeman's nearing 30. So I suppose Tip might not have the same age as they used to. And as for Wexford, Carlo beat them this year, so they know how to beat this Wexford side. And you look at the other Sligo, the young players there, I suppose they won a minor championship, but it takes a while for them players to bid in. So... Yeah, promotions absolutely realistic game for Carlo. I suppose Cavan would be the only hard one, really hard one there. But the rest, it's a realistic game to definitely get promotion by beating those counties. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a comment coming in there from Oren O'Neill who says, uh, "I would say Tyrone or an A, and definitely will will get onto Tyrone later on in the in the podcast." But I don't think there can be much denying Tyrone being an A at this point. I suppose next up in in terms of the alphabetical order would actually be Dublin. So. Like Dublin is, uh, I don't know, like it for, for most people, I suppose they would give them an F given the fact that, you know, they, they were six in a row champions. They were beaten in a semi-final. They were quite poor. I don't know, like I'm torn between a D and an F and, and I don't really necessarily agree with the E grade. I think a fail is a fail at the end of the day, but it's, it's a tough one, like because like they still won a Leinster championship and I still think it could have been worse. So like F is the, the lowest grade. Like if they got beaten by Mead, you would have said an F. They get beat by Mayo. It's still an F. Like it, it's a it's a tricky one. What what have you gone for? Yeah, it's a, it's a very tight one. I personally have given Dublin an F. I just think like Leinster was a bit too easy. I think it's um you know me there. It takes a while for them players to beat them young talented brilliant players. So I suppose like that was that was what they were. The aim for Dublin really was to win the All-Ireland. And considering they lost to Mayo, and not only they lost to Mayo, the way they lost to Mayo in the second half, where they completely lost their heads, they underperformed in that second half when they were well clear at halftime. I think it was a disappointing end for Dublin, but you have to... I suppose F is probably... It's probably a bit harsh in many ways because considering they lost Cluxton at the start of the year, and I've even said this plenty of times on podcasts, etc. Cluxton was a huge loss to that Dublin team. And even the last few minutes when Dublin were playing around at the back, I think that wouldn't have happened if Cluxton was there. I think he would have calmed down that Dublin defence and put it safely into midfield or safely to touch rather than the ball going out for 45 and obviously Robbie Henley kicking that point. But Cluxton, as I said, absolutely colossal loss for Dublin. And it's a question whether he'll come back. No, I think he has to come back to that Dublin team. No matter how talented players Dublin have, they need leaders. And Cluxton was certainly a leader in that team. He was certainly a player that would calm down the defence. But overall, I'd probably give him an F, considering Leinster was probably easy. And the way they lost to Mayo, in my opinion, deserves an F. Yeah, I suppose like if you were to look at, I suppose at the start of the season and you were to judge Dublin, like most people had Dublin as heavy favourites. Like a lot of people were looking at Dublin as the side that were going to win seven in a row. And I suppose Kerry were the team that most people thought, you know, would be the the second biggest challengers. And I think like when you look at the overall, like if you were to do a power rankings, you'd probably have Throne and Kerry and, and, and probably Mayo ahead of Dublin. So I think Dublin have 
probably regressed quite a bit this year. And given the fact that the options that they had from the bench probably weren't good enough. And I suppose an F probably, if you were to base it on this year, I suppose you probably would have to give them an F. But I suppose at the same time, like there's just that, there's that part of me in me that kind of looks at it and thinks we won six in a row. Like you can't really, you can't really ask for much more from this Dublin side. But I do think if you were to ask the Dublin team, you know, if you were to ask each Dublin player individually, they would look at this season as a failure because, you know, with the talent and players that they have and, and Brian Fenton, Con O'Callaghan, Noel Scully, Dean Rock, like they really should have been doing a lot better. And fair enough, you can lose all Ireland's. Like you're not going to win an all Ireland every year. Like that's unrealistic. But the way they got beat, like what you said against Mayo, was obviously very disappointing considering they had a six point lead at half time. Mayo really didn't get going for about 60 minutes. So, like, it, like Mayo were there for the taking and, and Dublin just didn't capitalize on it. Absolutely, Aaron. Yeah, it's, um, it's a fact, really. Like, I suppose. Even look at them senior players as well. Like um, I was talking to a person that actually watched Rahidi last week. I think Brian Howard and Brian Fenton were playing, and they didn't seem to be that good. In all honesty, they were, you know, they were struggling through the game, and that was a club championship game. So I suppose there's a question now: Is this the end of this um, great Dublin side? I I don't know. Like you look at the youngsters coming through: Kieran Archer, Lee Gannon, Padraig Coffey, Byrne. Like you have to question. Whether Desi Farrell should have played them this year, considering them older players are now regressing quite a bit. And you look at the bench, as you rightly said, there isn't much talent coming off. And I just wonder if the likes of Gannon, the likes of Archer, and the likes of Okofi Byrne, or even a few players like Ross McGarry coming on, would they frighten defences more than, let's just say, a few of them Dublin players like Tom Lehiff or... I suppose the Baskins were probably the only Dublin players that would strike fear into the opposition, but the rest of the bench was pretty ordinary indeed compared to the Mayo players that faced the likes of James Carr and Darren Cohen coming on. You'd never see that, a Mayo bench being much better than the Dublin bench. So I suppose it's going to be hard for Dublin to improve that next year. And I think it has to start with the young players. You have to bring in the likes of Kieran Archer and Lee Gannon, who I think are exceptional young players. And, I suppose Jack McCaffrey, whether he'll come back, I don't know, will he come back at all? Like, considering what Dublin, like I read an article recently, considering what Dublin did at the start of the year to, you know, train during COVID times, what would Jack McCaffrey think of coming back into that environment? I suppose, I don't know what you think about that, Aaron. It's a very interesting aspect there. But do you think Jack McCaffrey will come back into the team? But uh, Or after that, do you think he'll just call it quits completely? I'd, I'd be surprised to see Jack McCaffrey come back in all honesty because I've seen an interview he'd done on Off the Ball and he said, um, if you see me training with Dublin again, you have permission to shoot me. So I think to to come out with a statement like that, I think tells you that I don't think he really, ha his heart's really in it. And that is the weird question with Dublin. Like you do have a lot of players that have been opting out, that have been leaving. Paul Mannion's obviously left. Stephen Cluxton, like we said, has left. A lot of players, you know, early retirement and whatnot, backroom management team leaving. Obviously a lot of rumours about Desi Farrell and his training methods and this and that. Like I don't always agree with all those rumours. Like you see those rumours come out about every county really every year. You've seen obviously with Kerry last year, all the rumors that came out there as well. So, but like you would have to say at the same time, like there is a lot of question marks under Desi, like because like would that have happened under Jim Gavin? Probably not. In, in all honesty, I don't think Dublin would have had as many players opting out under under Jim Gavin. So there is a lot of pressure going into Desi. Like I think he, he he's earned the right, you know, to to stay at Dublin next year. 
Um, and look, listen, we might not win the All Ireland next year. Like it's it's obviously not a given, but I do think there needs to be a significant improvement in in Dublin's performances. Like they need to play a lot better than what they did this year because like what you said before you know you're not going to win every all-ireland but you like for a county like dublin considering how good their players are and considering this is a golden era like this won't last forever i do think dublin need to, to capitalize on it because i think if they were to not win the all-ireland next year i think all of a sudden that's two years and you see with Kerry and you see with some other counties as soon as those years start stacking up you know it becomes a lot harder to, to bridge that gap yeah, absolutely. And uh, great examples would be in the hurling game. Like Cork in 05 were very competitive in many years. And then they didn't win it in 06. They lost to Kilkenny in the final. Then 07, 08, they weren't competitive at all. Another great example was the Kilkenny team around 2015. They lost an All-Ireland next year to Tipperary. Then they go up in the qualifiers to Waterford. And then it's hard to win an All-Ireland. Like seven years is considered a family in Kilkenny. I think it would be considered a family in Dublin if they didn't win and all early for the next five years. But you'll be hearing these rumours um, outside about the camp not being happy with Dizzy Farrell and all that. So I don't know, is it believable? You hear it like every year, as you said, with Kerry. I suppose there is still friction in Kerry. Well, we'll get on to Kerry later on. But yeah, it's it's a very tough one to judge. But I suppose you're right in saying if they do not win all early next year or the year after will be an absolute disaster for Dublin. But you have to question, like, Tyrone don't necessarily do our All-Ireland's back-to-back. So you have, and Mayo are Mayo, in all honesty. I don't know, will they win All-Ireland next year? And Kerry's defence is always fragile. So you'd have to question, if Dublin aren't going to win the All-Ireland or Tyrone aren't going to win the All-Ireland, who's going to win it next year? Because I don't think the chasing pack are that great at the moment. They aren't capitalising on this opportunity. So... It's hard to see how Dublin go without all Ireland than the next three, four years, in all honesty. It'd be really unheard of, in all honesty. Yeah, I do think we'll be there thereabouts anyways. And I do think there are a lot of very good club players. And I think there'll be a lot of attention put on the, the club championship. And I've been keeping a close eye on, on the club championship as well. And normally with a lot of Dublin players, you'd see them resting, you know, during this time of the year for the early rounds of the club championship. I'm not seeing too much of that. Fair enough, Dean Rock didn't play for Ballymun the other week. But generally, a lot of them have been uh, have been playing. I suppose we'll move on to Kildare. Um and I suppose for Kildare, like a, an interesting season, and we'll certainly speak about Jack O'Connor and his comments in a, in a moment, but promoted to Division 1, they had big wins over Mead, big wins over Cork as well. Um, they got past Westmead just about. Uh, Westmead probably on another, day, on another day could have won that game. And then against Dublin, like very disappointing, in, in all honesty, given the fact that Dublin probably weren't at their best either that day. So what have you gone for with Kildare? I've gone with a C. I think I've, you know, overstepped the market a bit with Kildare here in my notes. I'd probably give him a B, considering they went up to Division 1 and considering they weren't favourites at the start of the year, it would have been probably Mayo, Meath, considering the amount of youngsters coming through in Cork, they probably would have been if fancied to beat Kildare, especially in the first game. So, yeah, I, I'd give Kildare a B. Maybe a C is probably a fair result, considering the way they capitulated against Clare in the league. That was a bit disappointing. But I suppose... They finished top of their group. They beat Meath. They got to a Leinster final. You know, I suppose it's all you can ask for really about this Kildare team looking at it from the outside. But considering you look at them at the Leinster final, as you rightly say, they were very disappointing. Other than the likes of Daniel Flynn, Jimmy Highlands in the first half who were challenging Dublin a small bit. But the rest of the team didn't seem to be really up there. I suppose you need... With Kildare, I think you need... All the players fully fit, all the main players, the likes of Daniel Flynn, 
the likes of Kevin Feeney, who wasn't fully fit for the whole year, the likes of Jimmy Hyland, Derek Hirwan has to be on form in every game. And I suppose there's good youngsters coming through in Kildare, so there's reason to be optimistic. And I suppose Jack O'Connor left, but I suppose Davy Burke left his job at Wicklow, so you have to um, imagine he'd go to Kildare. So that's a really good coup, considering he's part of a winning mentality in Kildare after winning the Under-20 Championship in 2018. So I think the sky's the limit, really, for Kildare. Could they win Leinster next year, though? I still think it's a bit soon. Could they stay up in Division 1? I think it's not that Kildare are bad or anything, but the amount of good teams in Division 1, all the other seven sides are just a step above Kildare at this moment in time. The likes of our man, Monaghan, Donegal, who would be close to Kildare, are just that step above. So it'll be a real success if they stayed up in Division 1 next year and got to a Leinster final. But to be honest, I don't see it happening. But for this season, I'd probably give them a B because they went up to Division 1 and got to a Leinster final. And that was their aim this year. Yeah, I suppose it is a fair point. And like you said, with, with Jack O'Connor stepping down, like certainly to come out with those comments uh, about, you know, the Kerry job and all the rest, like a little bit a little bit disrespectful to Kildare. And you can understand why a lot of Kildare fans were, were very frustrated by that because Jack O'Connor had said a couple of weeks previous that he was in this for the for the long haul. And like what you said there, I think surely it has to be Davy Burke. Like, you know, you're looking at that under 20 All-Ireland winning side in 2018. Like, there hasn't been too many players that have made the step up to senior level. And, you know, it's not often you go and, and win an under-20 All-Ireland. And I think for, for Davy Burke, he'd know a lot of those Kildare lads. Like, he'd know those players. He'd be able to, you know, make the, the step up for, for, for a lot of those players. So I think, like, surely they have to go with Davy Burke. To be honest, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't announced it yet. I don't know what the, the hold-up is or, or what's going on there behind the scenes, but you'd surely have to feel he'd be the man to, to take charge of Kildare's senior football management position next year. You'd have to feel that way, yeah. And he's a very promising manager. I'm not sure why he left Wicklow. Honestly, maybe it's because he envisaged Jack O'Connor leaving Kildare. We'll never know. But I suppose he actually did a good job at Wicklow. He got them up from Division Four, and with that group of players and to beat Cavett as well, that was a very good achievement. So you'd have to imagine he'd take the Kildare job. And as I said previously, he's part of a winning mentality in Kildare down through the years, and. It would make sense to appoint him as manager. Um, but I suppose just a question, can he win a Leinster title with this Kildare side? I suppose they haven't won a Leinster title since 2000. Like, that's a long time for Kildare. Like, I had Johnny Doyle on the podcast previously, and that was one of his first years playing for Kildare. It tells you how long ago that was. So, yeah, it's, it's a very tricky assignment to win a Leinster title with Kildare, but... I suppose they have to win it sooner rather than later. And considering the rumours coming out of the camp in Dublin, I suppose it's kind of a realistic game, maybe in the next two to three years, but not next year, I don't think. I think them player, young players need to develop a bit more and gain a bit of experience before winning a Leinster title. But I think Davy Burke is the man that can steady the ship for that Kildare team. But whether he can stay up at Division 1, which would probably be a main aim for Kildare next year, I'm not so sure. Yeah, it'd be very tough for them in Division 1. Like, you're looking at all the, the counties there, like, and it will be very, very tough for them, no doubt about it. I suppose Leash, we won't spend too much time on them. I mean, lost every game, and unfortunately, in 2021, I suppose you can't really look past an F uh, for, for Leash, in, in my opinion. Like, fair enough, you know, they've they've obviously had a lot of older players, kind of, you know, the Kingstons and whatnot. A lot of players are aging. You've got young 
player in Evan O'Carroll coming through, but to get beaten by Westmead by a scoreline of 320 to 110, I mean, that is quite extraordinary, like a 16-point loss against a team. A lot of people, Leash and Westmead were fairly even there for a number of years, like both getting promoted at the same time, both neck and neck through the years. So the fact that Westmead went and beat them as comfortably as they did, like I think, um, I suppose, worrying times for Leash, especially with Mike Quirk stepping down as well. Hugely worrying times for Leash. I'd give them a myth as well. Like in Division 2, I thought they were very, very disappointing. In the clear game, uh, not really that great. Cork, I suppose they faded out a small bit, but we've seen Cork this year. They're not that great either. So I suppose it's not a great achievement there. Kildare, they got absolutely slaughtered. And Westmead, the same as well. And down, they got relegated to Division 3. And even in Division 3, I don't think they'll even go up, in all honesty, next year. Like, you look at the teams in Division 3, Limerick, Westmeath, Loud, I think, under Mickey Hart, are probably a bit ahead of Leash at the moment. So, yeah, as you said, it's absolutely worrying time for Leash. I'd be worried if I was a Leash supporter. And considering the 2018 season, they actually challenged Dublin a small bit in the Leinster final. They challenged Monaghan. And uh, the good players coming through, Graham Brody being one of them, and he's disappeared from the panel. I don't know what's, what's the story there. Well, Niall Corbett's a decent goalkeeper, so I suppose it isn't, it isn't that bad. But I suppose you look at their main players, as you said, the Kingstons, Ross Munley's 38-39 now, so he's not going to be around forever. So this is a huge turning point for Leach. Colin Begley, another one, I think 33-34. So a lot of them players are ageing. It's a worrying time for Leach. I'd be worried if I was a Leach supporter, and most definitely an F for the season in 2021. Yeah, and I suppose moving on to Longford, um, I suppose, like, obviously they beat to tip on the on the final day of Division 3 to stay in the, the division, which was definitely a huge achievement for a county like Longford, given the fact that Tipperary were the Munster champions the year previous. And it is kind of interesting with Longford. Like, they do have some talented footballers there and the likes of Darren Gallagher and Rian Brady. Mickey Quinn's obviously come back in and... You know, they got that win over Carlo, of course, uh, as well in the in the Leinster Championship. And I remember me and you were previewing the the All Ireland Championship when we were discussing them against Mead and saying how you know Longford potentially could cause a bit of an upset. Now, in the end, Mead and went and absolutely hammered Longford and, and beat them completely out of the gate, beat them quite comfortably. But like there is talent there in Longford. Like I've given them a C, uh, which might be a bit generous because I think some people maybe would have felt that they, you know, let's not forget in 2020 they were actually very close to getting promotion like they're only one or two wins away so like what do you think is that a bit generous or, or what have you gone for i've personally gone for d but i could see why you give them a c like the population in longford it's the second smallest county in ireland and when you consider that i think they're punching above their rate a small bit but considering what they've achieved over the last few seasons i think the performance against me particularly in the leinster championship was very very disappointing i know Mead has developed a small bit but you would have kind of expected Longford to put up more of a chance than they did. So that was a disappointing aspect. But I think next year we'll see Longford back to their best because the qualifier system does suit Longford, in all honesty. And it has suited them over the years. They've beaten the likes of Mayo, Monaghan down through the years. They've challenged Cork. They've challenged Johnny Gaul. So they do have a reputation of the qualifiers. They're a very good side once the qualifier system's introduced. So I suppose that's where they'll pick up plaudits by getting through the qualifiers next year, and they need that. But for now, I'd probably give them a D, but I could see why you give them a C, because the population in Longford, they're punching above their weight a small bit, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and I suppose another county that obviously doesn't have that much of a, a population is obviously Loud, and they were in Division 4 at the start of the year. They've obviously brought uh, Mickey Hart in. Things weren't looking too good at the start. They lost to Antrim, but I suppose after that, they really have turned things around. Like They won both their games against Sligo and Leitrim, and they obviously got promoted as well. They beat Carlo in that Division 4 playoff. And as well, against Offaly, like Offaly getting a lot of plaudits, and we'll get on to them in a moment. Like They nearly beat Offaly in that game. Like It went to extra time. Offaly pulled away an extra time, ended up winning the game by nine points. But I've gone for a B for Loud. I don't think, you know, there's much more they could do. You could arguably even give them an A, but I do think at the same time they did lose to Antrim in that game. They, it would have been interesting to see how they would have gone on, got on against Antrim actually in the Division 4 final. I think that would have probably decided whether they get an A or not. But what have you gone for? I've gone for a B as well. Like, as you said, they're a small county, punch above their weight, a small bit. But um, Mickey Hart has definitely turned things around in load. And it's kind of a Mick O'Dwyer effect that he had on Leash and Kildare, Wakefield down through the years. And I see load as a major threat next season. Like, Division 3, Camden and Tipper now gone. I think it's a realistic aim for load to go up to Division 2 next season. Like, who is there? Fermanagh, Limerick, Westmead? Like, I think... It's a realistic game, really, for Lowe to challenge for promotion. And look at the players they have. Sam Roy is a very good player. Um, a few of their centre-backs, I don't know what's his name, Dermot Campbell or someone from centre-back is a very good player. So, yeah, Lowe seem a very good side. And Mickey Hart is developing the ball. And considering they lost an extra time to a developing awfully side under John Mahon, that's a very good season for Lowe's. And I'd probably give him a B as well. It would have been interesting to see how they've progressed through like the Taunton Cup. I think that probably should have gone ahead this year. Considering, you know, the All-Ireland last is two weeks into September, they could have easily done the Taunton Cup or qualifiers in the Sam Maguire this season. But the, but um, that's a conversation for another day. But anyway, I'd probably give loads a B, but it would have been interesting to see how they've progressed through the qualifiers this season. Yeah, and I suppose Liam Horgan was saying there about Loud having the, the same population as Mayo, so maybe I was a, a little bit off there with my uh, my population statistics. But speaking of Mead, or, or speaking of Loud's rivals, I suppose, you've obviously got Mead in there, and I suppose Mead is an interesting one because, you know, up until the Dublin game, you really probably would have had them around the D, maybe a little bit lower, like didn't get promoted to Division 2 when a lot of people felt they would. You know, a narrow win over Westmead didn't look particularly great that day. Um, and obviously... Before the Leinster Championship, really, there were a lot of question marks over Mead, but they went out, comfortably beat Longford, like completely wiped the floor of them, didn't give them a sniff whatsoever. Against the Dubs, like they had Dublin on the ropes, like it was three points going into extra time. And I really do feel like maybe if the referee made one or two decisions different in the first half, or maybe Mead played a little bit better, they could have beaten Dublin. Like, you know, Dublin were there for the taking that day. Um, so I've gone and given them a C uh, in the end. What, what have you gone for? gone for a C as well but I was really tempted to give him a B but considering like considering the ladies footballers won and the minors won things are really looking up for Mead in all honesty but I suppose the senior size weren't that great this year but that'll improve in time you look at the young players even in that Mead team the senior team at the moment the likes of Jordan Morris and all of them Donald Kogan still there Brian Menton still there they still have the experienced heads and they still have some very good youngsters coming through. So times are very good for Mead. And as you said, the Dublin game, they could have beaten that Dublin team. But to get within six points of a Dublin team that was considered unbeatable before the year even started, what an achievement considering what margin Mead lost to last year. I think it was something well over um, 15 points. I think it was 22 points in the end. But 
geez, it was a very good season for Meade, considering their minor success, and that will um, be true through the senior team in the next few years, I'm sure. So, yeah, C is a fair result for Meade, and yeah, I think an Insta title is realistic in the next few years, maybe not next year, considering it's a bit soon for them, but consider the next two or three years, I think it's a realistic game for Meade, and I think they could actually top Division 2 next year. It's a bold claim, but I think they're much better than most of the teams in Division 1 next season. So, yeah, times look on the up for Meade, and I give them a C as well. Yeah, I think that definitely is a real chance. I mean, it would be interesting to see what, what way the structure is for Division 2 next year, or, or all four divisions, whether they do it in group stages again, or whether they go back to a team of or a group of, or a one big league table of eight. I, I'd kind of agree with you. I don't think, I, I still think Galway would have more than Mead, in my opinion, but I think Mead would definitely have a huge possibility like to, to be up there, like considering Ross Common are probably going to be in a little bit of transition. But like what you said, I think, you know, they have a lot of very good, talented young lads coming through. Joey Wallace, Ronan Jones, Cahill Hickey looked very good this year and was probably an outside show for a young footballer of the year. Had Mead maybe progressed a, a little bit further on in the in the championship. So, you know, but I suppose at the same time, like Andy McEntee's been there a while and you would feel like it's kind of now or never really for, for Andy McEntee. Like he kind of needs to, there needs to be some, like something more for me next year in terms of maybe not winning a Leinster title, but you know, promotion to division one, I think will be a huge step forward, but maybe just being more competitive with the dubs, like maybe one or two points or, or something like that. Because I mean, I don't know, like it'd be interesting to see what happens next year. It would be very interesting to see what happens, but I suppose we won't see the meat development line uh, improve as much until the next few years, because don't forget the minor success was only this year. So that'll take about three or four years to develop. But having said that, even the signs are very good for me to at least win a Leinster title next season. And I suppose they want to win a Leinster title sooner rather than later to kind of forget 2010. I suppose it was a tainted Leinster title in many ways. So they'd want to win this properly at least. But yeah, the signs look very good for me. And considering they got close to Dublin this season, signs look very good and... It's a tough question. Who would you rather be at the moment, Kildare or Meath? Oh, it, it's a very tough one, but I'd slightly go for Meath, considering Kildare might get a few trimmings in Division 1. Meath have time to develop in Division 2 next season. So I'd, I'd rather be a Meath fan at the moment. I suppose Kildare fans might argue against that. But yeah, it should be very interesting to see how Meath develop. Division, getting to Division 1 is a main aim for Meath and to develop... Uh, since then and I think if they get up to Division 1 there's a realistic game they get stayed in Division 1 consolidate that place and you know consolidate that place for the next few years you see what Monaghan did they weren't expected to stay up the first year and they're in their I don't know they're in a very long time in Division 1 considering what uh, size they have in population so it's definitely a attainable objective for Mead and best of luck to them I think the production line looks very good Mead and the Mead fans will be getting excited, no doubt. Absolutely. And Arne O'Neill says there, the number 10 for the Mead Miners is unreal. And I think he's uh, referring to Sean Emanuel, who definitely had a top-class um, season for Mead, no doubt about it. I remember watching him against uh, the Dubs and he, he tore them apart, like no doubt about it. Obviously, it'd be a while before we see him up at the seniors, but definitely a lot of uh, exciting times for Mead with the Miners as well, no doubt about it. I suppose another county that definitely, you know, definitely a lot of exciting times there is obviously Offaly. Um, you know, what a what a season for them, you know, getting promoted to Division 2, a huge achievement for them, like won all three of their league games, then obviously won the, the playoff game as well. 
they were beaten quite comfortably by Derry and Crow Park, but obviously that was almost like a bonus game. It was the final, and it was a game that not many people expected to even go ahead. Obviously came through loud. And even against Kildare, like a five-point defeat uh, against Kildare, like they weren't a million miles away. So what have you gone for? I might seem a bit generous to awfully people here, but I give them an A. I think it's been an absolute superb season. And when you factor in, they've got promoted to Division 2. That's a superb achievement. And they got close to Kildare. They could have beaten Kildare the other day. And considering the size they beast to get there, Limbrick, Tipperary, Fermanagh, that's not easy whatsoever. And well done to Offaly for getting promoted and to getting through that fight with loads in the Leinster Championship. And things are only going to improve next year. Tommaso Shea's come in. That's a huge coup for Offaly. It's an unbelievable appointment. And considering that appointment and considering the under-20 talent coming through, considering they already have John Mahon as manager and Keen Farrell, Keen Johnson, all them. Keen Johnson didn't play much this year and look how much Offaly improved. So there is still more to come next year. And this might be a bold claim, but I think they'll stay up in Division 2 next year. I think the signs are very good for Offaly. They're a very good side to watch. They're, yeah, it's, it looks very good for Offaly. And considering Michael Dignan and Shane Lowry putting so much effort into this project they have with the faithful, the signs look very good. And I give them a deserved day this year. Well done to all involved with Offaly. And the signs look very, very good for you in the near future. Yeah, I'd have to give them an A as well. Like, I mean, they, they won every game in the league. Obviously, like what I said, they, they got beaten by Derry. But, you know, like in most other divisions, that game didn't even happen and came through loud. You know, it was obviously a tough game for them. They came through that. They were obviously favourites going into that game. And then obviously against Kildare, very close as well. And like what you said, exciting times for, for Offaly. Like obviously won the, the under-20 football championship this year as well, like for the first time in, in 20 odd years. So I suppose like for, for Offaly in particular, for John Mon, like what, what do you think? Do you think like a lot of those under 20s should go straight up to the senior team or do you think maybe they should be slowly sort of integrated into the team? Because there seems to be like two schools of thought. Like some people are saying you can't rush those players. You can't throw them in at senior level too quickly because I suppose, you know, they, they might get drowned out in division two and, you know, they might take a step backwards. But what do you think? It's interesting, all right? Like, I watched one of your videos on Limerick winning the All-Ireland. Like, Aaron Galan was a star of the under-20 team in 2017. He moves into the senior team in 2018. That year, they win the All-Ireland. But I suppose the other side of it, you look at Galway, they brought through Matthew Tierney. Well, he's done well this year, in fairness, Jack Lynn. But I suppose they've, they've, um, they need time to develop. And it showed this year they got outplayed by Mayo in the second half. And... Maybe it will improve over the next few years, but I, I before uh, bring through that development, especially Jack Bryant, I think should be in that um, senior team next year. Uh, Carmack Egan, I think, I don't know, I might be wrong on this, but I think he's around 17 or 18 still, so that's very young. I'd, I'd keep him in the other 20 team, in all honesty. I'd bring through the likes of Jack Bryant, I'd bring through Morgan Tynan and a few of those players, and but the thing is, if you bring through these players, they're part of a winning mentality. And that's what you need in Offaly to get through uh, tough games in the Leinster Championship. Like, if you have that winning mentality going through up to senior, you could beat anybody in Leinster. Well, disregarding Dublin, obviously, because they're Dublin, they're an unbelievable side. But they could easily beat me or Kildare if they just bring through these young players next season. And the signs are very good. And it, it is a tough one, I suppose. There's there's pros and cons to both sides of the argument, but I personally before 
bring true young players straight away into the team because it brings a winning mentality and it could get you serious results in the future. Yeah, like I don't think there's any shame on, on having Jack Bryant on the bench or, or even Cormac Egan or, or some of them lads, like just having them on the bench. Like you've seen a lot of counties have kind of done that in, in the past, like the core curlers and Limerick curlers have kind of done that. And I suppose for Offaly, like realistically in the championship, are they going to progress and go, you know, be, you know, get to an all Ireland quarter final? I mean, they might do, you never know. You certainly wouldn't rule it out. But I mean, realistically speaking, they're probably not going to get as far. So it would leave, you know, if the under 20 championship is, you know, we'll see what dates there that's scheduled for. But if that's kind of played later on in the year again, then you could have a case where, you know, some of those players end up playing for the, the senior team and the under 20 team. And some players end up coming off the bench. A lot of, you know, players could learn from each other as well. So definitely, uh, it will definitely be interesting to see what John Mon and, and Offaly does. I suppose Westmead, we'll discuss them. I mean, they're, I'm going to be honest, like a tough one to grade as well because a lot of very, very good performances this year, like very good against Cork. I remember in the first half or the first quarter, they were unbelievable. Ray Canellan looked absolutely brilliant. Um, nearly beat Mead, nearly beat Mayo as well. But all in all, like they still lost all their league games. They still got relegated. They put out a brilliant performance against Leash. Probably should have beaten Kildare. So like it, it's a tough one with Westmead. If you were to look at the results, you could probably go as far as an F, but if you were to look at their performances, you could go upwards towards, you know, a B or a, a C, like very, very tough one to grade. It's a very tough one to grade. It probably is reminiscent of the Irish soccer team at the moment. Like they perform so well in games against the likes of Azerbaijan or Luxembourg, or especially against Portugal. And the results don't seem to be there. It's the same for Westmead. Like I even watched as a Cork fan, obviously I watched the Cork game and Westmead should have beat us. It's simple as that. They absolutely should have beat us. John Hazen was superb. I think Larkin Dolan's another fine this year. I think he's an unbelievable player. I've gone towards the performance end, in all honesty. I've given them a B. I think it's been a brilliant season for Westmead. And let's not forget, it's part of a process. The players are going to develop in the near future. Like They can't be relying on Kieran Martin and John Hazen forever, or even Joe Egan, who, another player who had an outstanding year. But they have to... Betty, these young players like the likes of Larkin Dolan and Luke Lachlan in the next few years, and they did that this year. And considering they got close to Mayo, to Meath, to Kildare, to Cork, brilliant season, brilliant season. And and they hammered Leash as well. People seem to forget that they hammered them by 16 points. And considering they were so close to Leash over the last few years, that was a superb achievement. And well done to Westmead for that. I suppose the results they will come, they will come. Just Westmead fans have to be patient. Just trust in the process and it will get you results in the next few years. I've personally gone for B. Maybe I'm a bit too nice, Aaron, but I've gone towards the performance spectrum rather than the results. Yeah, I've, I've given them a C, so I suppose just a little bit a little bit below. Like I think with Ron O'Toole as well, who looked very impressive. Not the finished article yet, but looks like a very tricky, skillful player. Like there are positives for Westmead, and I think they'll be they'll be heavy favourites in, in division three, in my opinion, to come straight back up. But have them as the as the favourites at this moment in time anyway to be division three champions. We'll obviously see what happens between now and then. Um, and yeah, like you've seen what happened was, you know, they were playing very defensive early on in the year against Cork. They decided to play on the front four. Fair enough, they were a lot more leaky defensively. But you see there that there is a team there and certainly going forward, like they have a lot of talent and they have a lot of potential. And it does go to show sometimes when you kind of let the, the shackles off of a very defensive system, which to be fair, was actually working to a certain degree and nearly got them wins over Mead and Mayo. Um, but you see what happens when they actually play on the front foot against Leash as well, for example, in that second half. They were very impressive. Moving on to Wexford. Um, I mean, 
interesting one with Wexford at the start of the year. You definitely would have had them as a as a guaranteed F. I mean, they'd lost both of their league games against Waterford and Carlo. I think a lot of people would say like a county like Wexford should certainly be doing a lot better. And whether there's a lot of things going behind the scenes between the footballers and hurlers, you never quite know. They obviously beat Sligo in that Shield game. They then go be, go and beat Wicklow in the uh, in the Leinster Championship preliminary round. And then they, against the Dubs, like, gave a very, very spirited performance. So I've gone with a C, which might be a little bit generous given their the fact they lost both of their league games and were essentially probably the lowest one of the lowest ranked teams in in division in the whole you know football pyramid if you were to judge it off the league but in i suppose in my opinion like i think that performance against the dubs will give them you know a lot of confidence and i suppose the question is now really is that going to be a once-off for wexford or can they actually build from this now can they actually now go and compete for division four because i do think they have the players to do so they absolutely have the players to do so. And Shea Roach knows Wexford's football inside and out. And it's very exciting time for Wexford considering their performance against Dublin. I've gone for a C as well. Like, as you rightly said, at the start of the year, it was a guaranteed F. Like, I watched their two games against Waterford and Carlo, and I just didn't see a plan there at Wexford. I don't know, was that being particularly harsh? But, like, against Waterford, like, they probably should have beaten them. In all, in all honesty, but Watford just, they they beat him in the last minute. Would, well, I suppose, like, I know Carlo and Watford, it was disappointed to lose to them, but both times they lost by a point. So it wasn't the end of the world in many ways. So they beat Sligo in the Shield game, as you said, and the win against Wicklow, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. I don't know it was the fact that Wicklow beat Cavan in the league. That was a brilliant achievement for them, or maybe Wicklow just took their eye off the ball, but... Uh, Wexford proved there was no fluke in that Dublin game. They were absolutely superb. It, they definitely made their county pro that day. And yeah, I, I hope times are um, returning for good times are returning for Wexford because I can remember them in all our semi final facing Tyrone. Like I could remember them challenging Dublin in the Leinster final in 2011. They probably should have beaten Dublin in all honesty, like um, with that goal earlier on. And then James McCarthy pulled Dublin out of jail. But yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one with Wexford over the last few years. Maybe the hurling's taken precedence. You see the controversy there between Paul Galvin and Davy Fitzgerald, but I suppose Davy's gone now. It's a less of a controversial figure in the hurling world in Wexford, so they should improve next year. And for this year, I think a C is a fair result. The league wasn't that great, but the championship was superb. Yeah, and I suppose Liam Horgan's going with an F for uh for wexford i suppose which is probably a little harsh in in some respects but i suppose when you look at them maybe in the league you could probably understand maybe why to a certain extent and given you know what they've done in the past and like what you said back in 2011 like i do remember being at that game as a dublin fan and coming out of it and thinking oh my goodness like we've really got away with one there like i remember the likes of brosnan and you know wexford were, were playing really well and let's not forget matty ford wasn't available for that for that final as well like who, who could have known what could have happened if wexford had to come through that game like it is kind of mad to to look at you know the direction about dublin and wexford have taken since that 2011 final i suppose wicklow um i mean they lost every league game up until cavan and that was a huge win obviously over Cavan and Shawnee Furlong who produced a, a top class performance and I suppose for a county like Wicklow to get up to Division 3 first of all is a huge achievement to be in I suppose such a you know with such tough teams in there like Cavan who are also champions and they have to play Tipperary at one stage as well so like for them to actually stay in in Division 3 like a huge achievement but at the same time like you were saying earlier maybe why did Davy Burke step away I do think that defeat to Wexford 
probably reminded maybe Davy Burke and, and Wicklow to a certain extent that it's so it's so hard for counties like Wicklow, Leitrim, you know, you know, the smaller Longford, Loud to really get up beyond like Division Three and push on. Like we'll speak about Clare in a moment. They're probably one of the only counties that have ever that have ever done so. But for Wicklow, like a, a good season getting that win over Cavan, but still at the same time, they would have been disappointed with that Wexford defeat. They probably would have. I've personally give them a C. I think um the Division 3 campaign was absolutely brilliant, but they lost their three games, their three group games, but then miraculously won against Cavan. It was a superb performance for all involved. But I suppose the Wexford game was a bit disappointing, considering where Wexford came from in Division 4. But, um, yeah, I, I just give Wexford a C, or Wicklow, rather. I'll give him a C, probably. I suppose it was a bit of a shock to the system that Davy Burke left, considering I think Davy Burke's Wicklow's best manager since Mick O'Dwyer. Like that's a huge compliment in all honesty, considering where Mikko brought that Wicklow team. He got brought them to the last twelve in Ireland, like Wicklow. Like that was a superb achievement. And if Davy Burke stayed on, like this would be an interesting question: Could he have brought Wicklow to that sort of stage of the championship, a bit like what Mikko Dwyer did? I certainly think so. I think he's a superb manager. And considering the players coming through with Wicklow, Owen Darcy, Podge O'Toole, Oshie McGrainer. Some very good players of Wicklow, some handy players. And, you know, I suppose they are punching above their weight considering what's happened over the last few years. They've been constantly in Division 4. But I'd give them a C, a bit of a mix. Like, the championship was poor, but the league was superb. The way they stayed up, the way they beat Cavan as well. Yeah, like, they beat Cavan quite comfortably. And that's why I've gone with a B, personally. Because I think, like, to beat, you know, the Ulster champions uh, the way that they did. Like, Cavan, fair enough, Cavan were really poor and probably never really, you know, turned up on the day. But I think you'd have to give full credit to Wicklow. Like, they got their game plan spot on in that game. I remember, like, they were floating a lot of long balls up to Shawnee Furlong and it was causing all sorts of problems. So, I think Wicklow definitely deserve a, a lot of praise for that. I suppose we'll move on to, uh, to Clare. And we'll move on to the the Munster Championship sides. I suppose for Clare in particular, I mean, again, another side that is probably punching above their weight in terms of, you know, like obviously they're a massive hurling county and, I mean, very impressive in the league. Like to to come, you know, within one win of promotion to Division 1, like that would have been one of the stories of the year, in my opinion. Like there were only four points beaten by Mayo. And let's not forget Mayo went on to the to the All-Ireland final. They scored 218 against Mayo. Like, they were really, really impressive. They beat Kildare, they beat Leash, you know. And, I mean, hugely impressive from Clare. And, you know, the likes of Owen Cleary, Darren O'Neill, very good stuff from Clare. Absolutely superb. And Clare have been progressing over the last few years. And a lot of people seem to downgrade them. But I've watched them closely as a Cork fan, obviously. Clare have beaten Cork three times out of the last four attempts. I suppose from a Cork side, it's embarrassing. But from a clear side, it's absolutely superb, considering where they were a few years ago under, I think it was Paddy O'Shea was managing, I think, in 2010. And that was a, a horrid season for Clare. And they were wondering, where do they go from here? And Colin Collins came in 2014. He's done an absolutely superb job at Clare. I think, considering where Clare, Clare were, Division 4, and to bring them up to Division 2 and not only stay there, but to chance for Division 1. A county like Clare, they're largely a hurling populous county. That is a superb achievement. And uh, fair juice to Colin Collins. He's one of the most underrated managers in Ireland, in my opinion. I personally give them a B. The only reason I didn't give them an A because I thought they were a bit disappointing against Kerry. I thought maybe, yes, Colin Collins has done a phenomenal job at Clare, don't get me wrong. But I thought he 
played slightly the wrong side against Kerry. Like Joe McGann wasn't starting, Daniel Walsh wasn't starting. And if they started and ran at that Kerry defence, who knows what would have happened. But I personally give them a B. I've only not given them an A because of that Kerry performance. But over the years, superb from Clare. And as you said, Owen Cleary, David Toberty, um, a few of them players, superb. I considering Gary Brennan wasn't in that team. Like Gary Brennan was considered a big loss to Clare at the start of the year. And they go and they should have beaten Mayo in all honesty. Like Mayo were the All Ireland final. Like you can't ask for more for Clare in the league. Superb achievements, and I'd probably give it a B at the end of the year. Yeah, like I suppose you can understand the logic for for people who would give Clare an A. Obviously, like there's not much more they really could have done in the league. Like if they were, you know, it, it was probably the way the groups were made as well. That was probably a little bit unfortunate for Clare. Like you know, if they had of, suppose if they had finished first, in, in, had have got that win over Cork, they would have then played Mead. I would have, I reckon they would have beat Mead in all honesty, and then going up to Division One. You know, you can't not give them an A, but I would give them a B as well. Like what you said, I think against Kerry, for example, they were just. They didn't quite show that same level of performance that they showed um, throughout the league. And fair enough, Kerry are you know much higher quality opposition than you know. Well, I suppose you know Mayo went on to the final. Kerry were beaten in the semi final, so so maybe not. But I suppose for for Clare, like very good year, and I suppose it'd be interesting to see what happens next year. They do have a couple of players stepping away, retire and whatnot. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye on them. And I do think it will actually be quite tough for them in Division 2 personally next year. But um, I, I would still give them the benefit of, doubt, of the doubt in, uh, in avoiding relegation right now anyways. We'll move on to Cork, your own county. Um, I suppose not really a great year at all for, for Cork. I mean, they were nearly relegated to Division 3. They got absolutely hammered by Kerry. Fair enough, they beat Limerick in, in that Munster Championship game. But even at that, they still weren't really brilliant. Um, absolutely, you know, obliterated by Kerry after what was actually a very impressive first quarter. Um, and then, you know, Ronan McCarthy steps down. So I suppose as a Cork man yourself, what are you what are you giving your own county here? Jeez, how long do I have, Aaron? It's been an absolutely, <laughs> horrendous, absolutely horrendous season. And um, people in Mayo and Dublin think it's bad not winning All-Irelands. We haven't been close in years. Like, it's actually depressing at this stage. I might seem harsh as a Cork fan. I don't know about yourself, giving this. I've given them an F. I think it's been absolutely horrendous. And considering, like, when you consider, like, in 2012, we were the other semi final against Donegal. Coming out that day, who would have said we'd lose to Clare three times in four attempts and lose to Tip, um, tr- I think, three times in League and Championship over the last few years? You would have absolutely laughed. It's It's absolutely horrendous how it's how it's unfolded and considering that Kerry loss was the joint second biggest defeat in the championship only beat by Leitrim's defeat to Mayo like it says it all really it's absolutely horrendous and you could say yeah Kerry are all our contenders but like their defence was there for the taking considering Tarot beat them in the all the semi-final they, they were there for the taking and personally I think Ronan made the right decision they came to the right decision at the end but like, I hope to God now we go outside the county. Like, Kevin O'Donovan, our CEO in the, the Cartier County Board, is being, um, like, a lot of fans are saying to him, get someone from outside the county. I'd have to agree. Like, I can't see anybody in that, um, in Cork managing this team other than Keith Rickon, but I suppose Keith Rickon has said previously he doesn't want the job. 
John Finton Dealey, who's done a good job at that uh, degree. Like, other than that, I don't see anybody in, in the county of Cork. People are saying Bobby O'Dwyer, but he's from a losing regime. He's from the managerial setup from this year's loss to Kerry. So what good is that going to do? Like, like these young players are not going to develop if they're not going to be list if they're not going to be listening to the manager. Like, like you look at Brian Hayes and Jack Callan. Like, there's argument they'll go to hurling. They'll definitely go to hurling, considering the way the horrors have improved and considering the mess in football at the moment. Like, like I personally go for someone like Kevin McStay, Malky O'Rourke, Jim McGuinness. I know a lot of people would laugh at this, but for like we were all Ireland champions in 2010. If Corker to be serious about being all Ireland contenders over the next few years, we have to go for the best. Simple as that. And um, considering Tyrone won the All Ireland this year, Dublin, as we said previously, has a bit of friction in the camp. Kerry's defence is not great. Mayo can't win an All Ireland. So this is a huge opportunity. And Corker just messing it up as usual. And when you go over the last few years, it's been an absolute mess. And considering the four All Ireland semi finalists, Tyrone in 2019, we were within three points of the Super 8s. Dublin, we were in the game over the last 10 minutes. Kerry we beat last year, and Mayo we should have beaten in 2017. So we're not far away. It's just the results against the smaller counties that are so frustrating. Like against Kildare, the first game out this season, like the commentator was saying we were playing a sweeper. I thought that was ridiculous, in all honesty. Like Kildare struggled defensively. The last game of 2020 against me, they conceded five goals. So what's what's the obvious what's the obvious game plan attack them that's how you win the game and we persisted to play a sweeper like I, I don't know what's going on in the Cork County board it's I think it needs to be I suppose it's talked about when Cork go over the championship but it wasn't this year because it was all about Kerry's win but I think it's been a real fall for Grace I give him an F I think it's embarrassing frankly yeah, no, I've given them an F as well. And James LeBron says here, McCarthy had to go, in my opinion, probably should have left after the loss to uh, to Tip last year. And Liam Horgan says, F for Cork, I agree. It baffles me what's happened to them in the last 10 years. And I'd, I'd agree with Liam there as well, actually. Like, it does, it is really surprising to see what's happened with Cork. Like, I feel like, like, for example, you had Joe Brawley coming out with an article there, like, digging into Mayo and going mad at Mayo. Like, but what about counties like Cork and, you know, like, for example, who have... All right, fair enough, they don't have the same population as Dublin, but they are, you know, a bigger county than Dublin in terms of size. So it is quite baffling that Cork aren't... Like, they, they seem to be doing a lot right at underage level. Like, under 20, they seem to be always there, thereabouts. You know, they won an under 20 All-Ireland there, I think, in 2019, wasn't it? And they, they seem to, you know, be bringing through... They seem to have the players there, but it just seems to be at senior level that... Number one, they're not bringing those players through, uh, in my opinion. Number two, like for whatever reason, a lot of the quality players that they have, like, like don't seem to be performing as well as they can. Like a lot of players are, are doing very well at club level, you know, with Nemo Rangers and whatnot. We're seeing even, you know, in the you know in the college tournaments and whatnot as well. But for whatever reason, with Cork, like they just seem to. Like it seems to be always one step forward, one step back. Like they'll produce a good performance here, but then a bad performance against, you know, like what you said, a Clare or a Kildare, for example. And every time there's a bit of positivity, it's followed by a bit of negativity, like B. Kerry and then lost to, to Tipperary. So, I mean, the next management position would be interesting. Like Jim McGuinness would probably be a, an interesting one, all right. Like certainly to see Cork probably play his style would be 
very interesting, no doubt about it. And to be honest, I don't know if Jim McGuinness would ever take a, a, a job in, in Gaelic football at inter-county level again. Uh, in all honesty, maybe Donegal. I feel like that's the only county he'd probably go back to. Kevin McStay, maybe. You know, it, like you wouldn't rule that out either. It, that would certainly be an interesting one. And like what you said, obviously you had a, a few managers at underage level ruling themselves out of the, the senior management position. Like I think that's a... That's a big sort of, uh, you know, worrying point as well. Like, and it is, it is interesting because you have the sports direct deal and as well, you've Parky Cueve. Like, you've got the resources that other counties don't have, but yet a lot of other counties are are surpassing what Cork are doing. That's exactly the point. Like, I consider over the last few years since since Coonahan left in 2013, 2014 onwards, we've only reached the last eight of the All Ireland twice. Like, like that's a similar number. The likes of Fermanagh, Cavan, Kildare, Roscommon. Look, like, look, like I could consider Roscommon. Like in 2010, we re- we met them in the quarterfinal, and we absolutely obliterated them. And you, you see, 11 years later, Roscommon would be in a healthier position than Cork footballers. You would have said, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Like it's absolutely diabolical what's happened over the last few years. And I don't think there's been a county that is fallen for grace so much since well I suppose Down is another example we'll get to them in the minutes considering they were in the final week Cork in 2010 but like, over the last few years it's been rough it's been really rough and considering we lost the Tipperary for the first time since the 1940s we've uh, got a record Munster final defeat the only one to beat that was 1919 Clare losing to Kerry so that was a long time ago we had the second biggest um defeated the championship this season only behind Leitrim like that's our level at the moment Leitrim, Longford, like we were considered above those counties in the Coolin era with Canty Kassan, all them players but now we're on their level like this is Cork like it's it's absolutely shambolic what's happened over the last few years and it's quite frankly embarrassing to be a Cork fan over the last few years in all honesty it might seem a bit of a rat now but Honestly, over the last few years, as Cork football fan particularly, I, I'm sick of it in all honesty. And we, the next managerial appointment has to be right. Like Tommaso Shea said the next managerial appointment has to be right in 2017 when Patrick Healy left. That was Ronan McCarthy. That clearly didn't work either. We, in fairness, probably regressed under McCarthy considering 2019 we were competitive at the Super 8s and we get a hammering off Kerry two years later. So where's the improvement? There's no improvement whatsoever, despite what young underage success comes through, and despite the sports direct deal or Parky Cueve, unless you unless you have the right men in place in the managerial managerial system in Cork, nothing's going to change. We're still going to get hammerings off the likes of Kerry or or Division Two hammerings, and the way things are going, I might be far, but I think we're going down to Division Three again. I don't. I think Offaly are much better than us though. Tommaso Shea has gone there, so he definitely wants to beat Cork. Um, I suppose Dowd are probably the only team at our same level. Clare beat us plenty times over the last few years. Derry are much better than us improving. So I don't see how we'll stay up at Division Two if things are currently in place at the moment. Like the the only way I could see us staying in Division Two, surviving in Division Two, is bringing someone like McStay. Or someone like Malachi O'Rourke just improves things in the county a small bit. But unless that happens, it's dark times for Cork football. 
no matter what young young um, players are coming through, or no matter what financial financial systems come through. And as regards to population, Cork has a bigger population than the country of Iceland. It's a huge county. There's 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 no there's no excuse for it whatsoever. Like, like it's absolutely depressing to be a Cork fan at the moment, and I hope it improves next year. But for this year, it's been embarrassing, frankly. Yeah, I suppose it is. It is an interesting one. Like, I don't like. I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, by the time next year comes around, and we we have a proper look at Division Two and and see maybe who might be promoted, relegated, and whatnot. But I suppose for Cork, like they do have a good. Like they still have Mark Cronin in there. Like he's a good underage player coming through. You've a couple of other players as well uh, coming through. I can't quite remember them all now off the top of my head, but I know there's a, a good crop of players there. So, like there is there is the potential there for Cork to kick on. I just think like what you said, like they really do need to. To get that managerial uh, appointment right, I suppose one discussing one county that might cheer you up is Kerry. Uh, ironically enough, they're next on the on the alphabetical order. Fair enough, they they beat yourselves very very comfortably, but they didn't win the All Ireland when I think everyone very much expected it, especially after seeing what happened with Dublin. They obviously got beat by Mayo, and I think uh, pretty much everyone had Kerry and. I suppose Tyrone went to beat them, and obviously Tyrone went on to, to win the All Ireland. But I suppose from a from a Kerry point of view, like you'd have to be. It's another year again where there's been so much hype, so much discussion, so much you know about David Clifford and Sean O'Shea and Paddy Clifford and Killian Spillane and you know all these top quality players. But once again, they've like they weren't terrible against Tyrone. Like I do think they were impressive at different stages. They did show some some good signs, and maybe on another day they they might have come through and won that game. But I suppose once again, like it's it's that defense that again has really cost them. It is it's cost them for years. Like since Mark O'Shea or Aidan O'Mahony have left, I think it's cost them dearly in years gone by. I might be a bit nice to carry this time. I'd probably give him a C. I think look, it was they didn't win the All Ireland, but considering it wasn't that bad afterwards, they lost to the eventual All Ireland champions after extra time. Like some Kerry fans will go on about it, it's a disaster. Like, it wasn't that much of a disaster, in all honesty. They finished top of their Division One group, which was impressive, in my opinion. They were going to play a Division One final. And, yeah, I think it was an okay season for Kerry, but obviously they didn't win the All-Ireland. But they have to improve a few things. Number one, defence is obvious. I, I think they need to improve defensively to win the All-Ireland in the future. And number two, they can't rely on Sean O'Shea and David Clifford forever. I... I, I I keep saying that, like, Clifford scored, what was it, eight points against Tyrone, Shawnee O'Shea scored close to that, like, it's grand having brilliant players like that, but if you don't have other players to step up and take the game by the scruff of the neck, what's the point, really, and, you know, I suppose the way they've treated Peter Keane over the last few weeks, I think, honestly, it's disrespectful, I think um, they're saying a managerial appointment open, but they haven't said Peter Keane has stepped down, so what is this? Like I I like I don't know what I'd do if I was Peter Keane right now. I'd probably feel sick. Like it's absolutely ridiculous what's happening. Like Jack O'Connor's no no there. So what's happening with Peter Keane? He's in the carry job, but still he has to reapply for next year. I think that's ridiculous in all honesty. It's a disrespect to him. Like considering over the last few years, I've looked over their results. The only you know Bad point, really, was losing to Cork. That Mark Keane goal. Other than that, they reached an All-Ireland final against Dublin. They took them to a replay. They probably should have beat them. In uh, 2020 as well, they won the league. 
in 2021, they lost to the eventual Ireland champions in Tyrone. So I, I don't see how Peter Keane is to blame in all this, in all, in all honesty. It hasn't been a disaster for Kerry, but I give him a C slightly below, like a B or A, because they did win that loose of all Ireland. But it's not a disaster by any means, in, in my opinion. Yeah, like I suppose I'm torn between a D and a C. Like I do have a D wrote down here, but now that you kind of speak about it, I'm kind of thinking maybe a, maybe a C, I suppose, is a little bit better. And like what you said with Peter Keane, like for, like like um, I might be wrong on this, but he, I think he was the manager who won a couple of All-Irelands as well at minor level, wasn't he, with, with Kerry with the likes of Clifford and whatnot. So like that is some level of disrespect, the fact that they're, you know, saying, like, like because it's not like they're not going to go through this process of interviewing a number of different managers if they weren't going to keep Peter Keane. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like the reason why they're, unless Peter Keane comes out with some, you know, huge game plan or, or comes out with something mad in, in his interview and all of a sudden they, you know, decide to keep him or maybe a lot of their targets say no like maybe Jack O'Connor who knows maybe he just wanted to take a breaker or something like that you just never really quite know but like what you said you would have to feel that Jack O'Connor would surely come back into Kerry and yeah like I don't think things are, are terrible like they have the players there they're, they're getting closer they're not a million miles away um, like you forget up until the Tyrone game they've beaten everyone very comfortably you know they, they hammered Tyrone in the league let's not forget hammered Galway um, it just seems to be that defensive structure and they do have a lot of good club players in there as well so they're not a million miles away but if jack o'connor would come in it was to come back in i don't know what you think but i'd probably have kerry is you know it, it's a weird one because you don't want to have them favorites all the time i see i feel like they're always favorites and they never quite deliver but with jack o'connor coming in like what more would kerry have to do to win an all ireland absolutely yeah and i suppose he converted kira donaghy into a great the grateful forward he was I suppose you could do the same with the likes of Tommy Walsh in that team. Like like Jack O'Connor would pull up, come up with these plans and win the All-Ireland. Like considering he won the All-Ireland out of nowhere really in 2009. Like that tells you all you need to know about him as a manager. He's a superb coach. And he will probably win the All-Ireland with that, carry, with that group of players. But I still think no matter how good a manager Jack O'Connor is, I still think it's disrespectful the way they've treated Peter Keane over the last few years, considering what he's done for that county. Like, I, I, I'm not a fan of it in all honesty. And look, Kerry, Kerry have probably been pressed over the last few years because the fact they didn't win that Ireland since 2014. But let's not forget they've counteracted one of the best teams of all time in Dublin. So it's not that much of a sin that they haven't won the Ireland in the last few years. It's just Dublin have been absolutely phenomenal. That's that's no sin of Kerry's in all honesty. So, look, they're not far off in all Ireland. They just need someone in defence. They need they need that kind of defender. I think they lost it with Peter Crowley last year. I think he was one of the best defenders that Kerry has. Yes, Gavin White's a defender as well, but I think he's more of an attacker. He he. There are still question marks about him defensively. The same as Thomas Sullivan. So. Look, they need a defensive structure in Kerry. They need that defensive um, that defensive rock. And unless they don't get that in the next few years, I still don't think there's enough there to win an All-Ireland, despite if Jack O'Connor comes in or not. 
Yeah, like, and I suppose you do have Jack Sherwood in there, who's a very good defender. I've watched him at a club level a couple of times. So, like, there's plenty of players there. I'm sure it's just a matter of probably coaching or getting some defensive coaches in or, or something to that effect. Like, they're definitely, they definitely have the attacking players going forward. It just seems to be that structure, or conditioning, or, or something to that effect. And like you said, with the the whole Peter Keane situation, it is quite baffling because. Like he is definitely a, a manager, and like in like when you look through like what he's done, like he they were within a kick of a ball from winning the All Ireland in 2019. Like they were within a kick of a ball, and that was Dublin at their you know prime best, their absolute best. They beaten Mayo, they completely wiped the floor with them in 2019. Fair enough, Dublin were down to 14 men, but Kerry were the reason why Dublin were down to 14 men because Clifford absolutely tore Johnny Cooper inside and out. So. You know, I do think it is quite baffling. And when you do think this is all voluntary as well, like this isn't professional, this isn't professional sports or anything like that, you know. So it is, it is, it definitely does leave a bad taste in a lot of mouths. And I'm sure even if I see Adam was commenting there, we've treated Peter Keane badly, to be honest. And yeah, you know, you, you would have to say even Kerry fans would, would agree that at the moment, like there's definitely been a lot of, uh, a lot of bad kind of treatment labeled the way of, of Peter Keane. Moving on to Limerick, we'll discuss them briefly and I suppose the other three uh, Munster counties very quickly. Like, you know, B Tip and, and Wicklow, very close to getting promotion for Limerick. Fair enough, they were beaten by Cork, but, you know, probably underperformed on on that day in all honesty in the, in the Munster Championship. Considering they came up from Division 4 and they were into Division 3 and they already got promoted, like they had to play Derry in that playoff game and Derry as we very well see very very good side and we'll get on to them in a moment but I suppose from a Limerick point of view I've given them a B like I think you know they've 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 had a great year yeah exactly I'll give them a B as well like against Cork they lacked a, a lethal finisher like Danny Neville was close to that he had a few goal chances and if they go in they could have beaten Cork in all honesty so yeah, I, I'd give him a B as well. And I'd, you'd have Westmead as favourites in Division 3 next year. I'd have Limerick. I think they're a very good side. Like, you look at the strength of some of them players, the strength and conditioning in Limerick in both hurling and football is phenomenal over the last few years. So, you look at players coming on, even Josh Ryan. Like, the guy looks like a second row for Monster Rugby. He absolutely looks uh, superb condition. He's, and this is a sub in the Limerick team. So, look, I'd give Limerick a B, absolutely. They've they've done brilliant, and maybe the good times are returning to Limerick. Like, let's not forget, they were quarter-finalists in 2011. They should have beaten Kerry and Cork in 2010. So, look, they are a pro-footballing county in many ways as well. So, And Billy Lee, again, another underrated coach in Ireland, in my opinion, and definitely deserves a B. Limerick have been absolutely superb this year, and they'd be my favourites to go up to Division 2 from Division 3. Yeah, I suppose they definitely are improving. And like what you said, like we, there's a lot of very good sort of things happening behind the scenes with, with Limerick at the moment. And I do think that eventually at some point in the next four to five years, we will see Limerick gradually progress, maybe get to the level of a clear or, or maybe even kick on from that. Like I do remember 10, 15 years ago, Limerick were a very good team. Like they were getting to, I remember they got to an All-Ireland quarterfinal one or two years. Like they were always kind of, they always had decent players and, you know, there's a good population in Limerick, fair enough. You know, Limerick would be predominantly a hurling county and you would have to say that for a lot of dual players, they would probably favour playing for the hurlers given the success that they've had in, in recent seasons. But, you know, there's a lot of... And there's a lot of very good coaches as well. Let's not forget Paul Kinnerk, who's 
a part of Limerick Hurland's backroom team. Like he is predominantly a football coach, and there has been talks before that at some point he could be the manager of the senior footballers, and that would be something that I think that would very much excite Limerick fans. But I do think for Limerick it is a matter of being patient, especially under Billy Lee. They've good players coming through, and Ian Corbett and, and all the rest. And it'd be interesting to see Limerick at underage level now over the next couple of years as well, whether they can kind of build a minor and under twenty and, and maybe do something there. That would definitely be uh, be something I'd be keeping an eye on, no doubt about it. Tipperary, I mean, disappointment for them this year. Relegated down to Division 4, beaten in that game uh, against Longford. Just a lot of very disappointing performances from uh, from a Tipperary point of view. And, you know, obviously beaten in the, in the Munster Championship as well by Kerry. They actually showed some positive signs in that game. But I suppose I'm giving, giving them an F in the end, like I think, to go down to Division 4, I think, you know, given the players that they have, I know Tipperary isn't predominantly a football county and, and all the rest, but given the likes of Connor Sweeney and, and some of the talent that they have there, like, I, I just do think they're very much underachieved this year. They have underachieved, yeah, but, yeah, I'd, I'd be closer to an F as well. I was originally going to give them a D in, I was being a bit nice to them in many ways, but considering they lost Robbie Coitley, I thought that was a huge loss to them at the start of the year, Conor Reardon, who was instrumental in winning the Munster title for them, he moved on to Australia. So they've lost a fair few players, in all honesty. Um, but still, I'd probably give them an F, considering they had Conor Sweeney, Michael Quindlen, a few of them players. Like it, it was a, it was a disappointing year in many ways for Tipperary, and considering they lost to Longford, that was a bit disappointing. But against Kerry, they actually put it up to them. I, I was surprised they put it up to, but maybe that was because they were playing a defensive system. They didn't go out as much, and they lost by 11 points, which wasn't that bad, considering Claire Carcass absolutely pummeled by Kerry at the end. So it wasn't that bad in many ways, but considering they went down to Division 4, I'd, I'd probably have to give them an F as well, and I'd fear for Tipperary in the next few years because a lot of them players are now either switching to hurling or they're going down under to Australia, the likes of Calder Reardon. I'd be kind of worried for Tipperary the next few years. Would they even go back up to Division 3, considering how Wexford and Sligo were improving with their young talent coming through? So, yeah, it's going to be tough in the next few years, I think, for Tipperary. But David Power is a decent manager. They, I wouldn't be surprised if they weathered the star a small bit next year. But for now, yeah, I'll take an F is a fair assumption. Yeah, I suppose I'd agree with you on that as well. Like a lot of people would look at Cavan and, and Tipperary as the the two sides that should automatically bounce back from Division Four. But personally, I don't actually agree with that. I think Cavan are definitely well placed to come back. But I think Tipperary, like I think there's there might be a bit of transition there now over the next couple of years. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Michael Quinlevin as well. Like obviously he was was traveling originally in in 2020 and then had to come back because of the lockdown. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Whether he he's in the panel next year or whether he's gonna go traveling again or, or opt out i'm not quite so sure but definitely a lot to figure out behind the scenes for uh, for tipperary we're going to move on to waterford and i suppose if anyone is watching this on youtube if they could leave a like and subscribe it would uh, kindly appreciate i can see a number of comments and, and people tuning in there at the moment and we will be uh, running through the ulster teams uh, in a moment as well and that will certainly be interesting given how competitive the uh, the ulster senior football championship was this year but for waterford we'll discuss on them briefly i mean very hard one to, to discuss with Waterford because, you know, they got that huge win over Wexford. They're not, you know, obviously Hurling is the is the top dog and you know, in, in Waterford, there's no doubt about it. I've given them a C. I think that win over Wexford was a huge win. And, you know, the fact that they were within one win from getting to Division 3, fair enough, the 
structure of the of the league probably helped them to a certain degree. But the fact that they were so close to getting to uh, to Division Three, like I think that is a huge achievement. And I do think you know, given that they probably are one of the weakest counties in Ireland um, in terms of Gaelic football, I do think that is very impressive. I think it's very impressive as well. I did the C, not not too bad, not too decent either. Like it was in line with expectations. Like Watford, as you said, they're a small county and they can only afford to concentrate on one sport in particular detail. And they've chosen hurling fair place, and for that, they have a superb hurling team. But I suppose I was chatting to Bright Luby for a website I was doing over the summer, like a preview to the Limerick game. And he's hoping that Watford get up to like Tip and Clare and Limerick's level over the next few years. That's the aim. That's the aim in Watford. And considering Shane Ronan's their manager now, there, there's good signs for Watford. Paul White is their coach. So, yeah, there's some decent players, decent individual. Connor Murray at centre forward, I think, is a very good player. Very good finds for any uh, Division 4 fanatics. He's a very good player. And. Yeah, I suppose they have a good management team there. Shane Ronan managed the Tipperary Ladies footballers over the last few years. He's now managing Watford, and he's done a decent job. Wexford was a huge win for them, and considering what happened against Carlo the previous week, they were utterly annihilated. So to bounce back from that, the win over Wexford, that shows bottle and fair play to Watford for that. But you couldn't give them much more to the sea, to be honest. Like They're a small county, in all honesty, and... They've concentrated on wood sport and hurling, but the footballers are moving along nicely, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And Joseph Flynn definitely uh, wants us to, to discuss Sligo anyway. He's no doubt about it. And we will get to uh, to Sligo and all the Connacht teams a little bit later. But I suppose we'll move on to, to Ulster and we'll discuss Antrim first of all. We will go in alphabetical order. Antrim, I mean, I've given them an A. Like I think the fact they won all their, their league games, very, very impressive stuff. The fact that they have had a new management in there, new managers coming in. I mean, huge stuff from from Antrim to to get promoted to uh, to Division One or to Division Three. Like personally, I didn't see it coming. Really, I thought maybe there'd be a bit of transition. They'd have to lose a couple of games before they they go and win a couple. Uh, huge, huge win and a huge you know achievement to get up to Division Three against Armagh. Fairly competitive as well. Like especially going into the second half, it was really just a couple of late goals that probably swung the game. So, what are you going for here? Yeah, I'm quite attempted by giving them an A, considering your explanation of Antrim there, but I was originally going for a B, considering the population that Antrim have. I, I don't know, is that a bit harsh? And it was changing my mind, I know it was small, but I'd probably give them an A. Like, winning every game in Division 4, superb achievement, obviously. And against Armagh, was one of the top 10 defeats in the championship this season, but it was a few late goals, and they were competitive with a very good Armagh team for stages in that game. So, so, good season for Antrim. Yeah, and in the McGeadley, no better man to manage that team. He knows how to win all Ireland. So, he's a decent coach to have. And considering um, you look at Brian Dewar, what he's done with Tyrone, like, there's no better um, managers at the moment than former Tyrone players, it seems. So, well done to Antrim. And I think they could stay up next season. They maybe could stay up. Like, you, you look at the teams at the bottom of the Division Three. You look at Antrim, Antrim, uh, Wicklow, Longford, Loud. I think there's a realistic aim for Antrim to stay up in Division 3. That would be a superb achievement for them. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably give them an A as well, considering they've won every game in Division 4 and were close to our man stages of that game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose for Antrim, like there is definitely a, a lot of potential and whatnot. Like Paddy McBride, I thought was was very impressive this year. You've obviously got uh, Paddy Cunningham in, in there as well. Like you've a lot of very very good footballers coming through the the ranks with uh, with Antrim at the moment. So definitely a lot to to be positive about. And I suppose for for Enda McGinley, you know, like what you said there, like the fact that Tyrone do seem to have a lot of very good managers around at the moment. Like that will definitely give them a, a lot of confidence. And in Division Three next year, it will be interesting. All right, I do think there's there's a base for Antrim to build off, and especially if Caseman Park was to get built now in the next you know five or six years like i think like antrim could become they're they're a sleeping joint in many ways like maybe not so much in ball but they, they, they're one of those counties that you know if someone was to say to me in 10 years time antrim were in an ulster final or antrim have won an ulster title i'd probably go Do you know what that's that's a fair assumption because they have that kind of resource resources there and i know obviously with antrim there's been a lot of political tensions down the years i do think we're moving on from that we're progressing past that now at this stage and i do think we will start to see both the hurling and the football county start to come good now over the next couple of years yeah, absolutely. It's a superb time for Antrim, considering the hurlers performed very well this season. And let's not forget, they were in the Ulster final as recently as Armagh. Like, people seem to forget that they were in the Ulster final in 2009. I think Paddy Cunningham might have been around at that point. So, yeah, no better man to gain experience from that campaign there. So, yeah, it's some very exciting times for Antrim. And as you said there, if Casebeck Park gets built in time, and I think they could stay up in Division 3. That'll be an aim for them next season. And maybe to pull off a surprise, if they get a lucky draw, maybe the likes of Down or Cavan or Fermanagh in the Ulster Championship. Who knows? Like, Antrim could win that game. And anything's possible with Andy McGinley in charge of teams. And best of luck to Antrim. They kind of are a sleeping giant considering the population there. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I suppose the team that beat Antrim in the championship, that was Armagh. And I suppose for Armagh, look, I actually tipped them to win the Ulster Championship originally. I felt like they, you know, they were building something. They were looking really good in, in Division 1. Like, certainly a, a lot of positives there, no doubt about it. Obviously, you know, you know, getting, like, being very, getting that win, obviously, at the, at the start of the year over Monaghan and, you know, beating Roscommon as well. So a lot of positives, like staying up in Division 1, not an easy thing to do. You normally see a lot of counties go from Division 2 to Division 1 and then go straight back down. Roscommon are obviously a perfect example of that. With Rian O'Neill, Ushin O'Neill in there as well, like a lot of very, very talented footballers got beat by Monaghan in a game that was very close. Like they had it within their grasp. So I've gone for a B personally. I mean, it might be a little generous to, to you know, to some respects. I do think Armagh should still be doing a little bit better. But, you know, like Armagh, one of those counties, like I don't think they're a million miles away from Tyrone. And like, I think that's what's going to make the Ulster Championship and the All-Ireland Championship very, very interesting next year because like there really isn't a lot between a lot of those kind of counties and Armagh are definitely a county worth keeping an eye on. I suppose the question will be like, can they, you know, under Geezer, can they make that step up? Like, can they go and win an Ulster Championship or, or get to a final? Like, I feel like that that needs to happen soon because like there is that statistic of every county has gotten to an Ulster final since Armagh were last in an, in, in an Ulster final. And I do think that's something that needs to be addressed now in the next couple of years or, or probably next year, realistically. It absolutely has. Uh, I don't know, am I being a bit um, mean to Armagh here? But I'd give him a C. I don't know, is there expectation in Armagh with the players they have? Superb achievement for staying up in Division 1, but look at the players they have. Reno O'Neill, Jared O'Burns, Connor Torbett coming on off the bench, uh, O'Sheen O'Neill. Like, they have a superb team there. And I don't know, is this... Is this 
is it kind of re- a realistic aim to stay up at Division 1? Could they push on further maybe to reach the top of Division 1? Or maybe to get to an Ulster final? That is That has to happen sooner rather than later. Like That statistic, yes, Armagh are progressing and their players are absolutely superb and they've reached last eight over the last few years and they've challenged very well over the last few years. But that statistic is slightly embarrassing considering like Antrim have got to an Ulster final for Mana have, Down have. You know, it's it's kind of frustrating for to be an Armagh fan that way. And yeah, considering the rivals, Monaghan have done very well in Ulster over the last few years. Cavan have won an Ulster championship and got to an All-Ireland semi-final. Like Armagh need to get to that sooner rather than later. I think the foundation is there for Armagh. They have some superb players all over the park. They have a superb coach, Akira McGeady, who probably could have got killed there to an honor to point in 2010 if a certain decision went his way. So they do have the foundations there. But the question is, can they implement that next season? I think they can realistically if they keep on McGeady and they keep on some of their brilliant young players. But for now, I'd probably give them a C because it's kind of in line with expectations. I'd know that's a bit mean, Aaron, but I, I think that's where Armagh should be and they probably should be pushing on further. Yeah, and I suppose they definitely do have the the talent. There's no doubt about it. Like a lot of very good quality players, like all across the board. Like we said there before, like Connor Turbot's another very good player coming through. You had Ross McQuillan, who came back from AFL, looked fairly decent actually, um, in in the in the games that he played this year as well. So there is a lot of talent there, and maybe with the fact that maybe when you don't have the whole COVID situation as well, maybe there'll be more time for Kieran uh, for Kieran McGinney and and for the likes of um, Kieran Donaghy in there as well. So like there is. You know there there is potential there and there is players there no doubt about it and, and they definitely can kick on like and maybe with there being no COVID as well maybe that will help them because they'll have more you know time you know the management will have more time with a lot of those players as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose it'll be interesting with Kieran Donny would Jack O'Connor call him up? I don't know. Would that be kind of you know it would be bad form for Kieran Kieran Donny? Excuse me to leave Armagh at this point, but if Jack O'Connor comes calling a Kerry. I don't know what Kieran Donnie actually moved on to Kerry to move closer to home. Like, it's a tough one, really. But, yeah, the COVID situation, I suppose it was a tough situation for everybody before the game, for both sides, considering the loss of Brendan O'Duffy for Monaghan. And for Armagh, the COVID situation, the game shouldn't have really gone ahead. But considering both sides produced a brilliant spectacle, that's testament to both the team's abilities and what they're capable of, really. So... Yeah, I suppose Armagh, it's a decent season, but they need to push on next season. And without COVID and with Kira Donaghy settling into his new job, I think the sky's the limit for, for Armand. They could perform well next season, but they definitely have to get that monkey off their back and get to an Ulster final, first of all. Yeah, no doubt about it. I suppose Cavan, I mean, they're a, a county that's, you know, very uh, interesting, like, you know, winning that Ulster Championship in 2020, going into 2021, I had them as clear favourites to get promoted from Division 3. I felt like having where, you know, I always felt like Tipperary winning the Ulster Championship was a bit of a fluke, and, and with all due respect, given the fact that they didn't have to, to be Kerry, whereas Cavan, you know, they'd be Monaghan, they'd be Donegal, 
you know, they beat down as well. Like they beat good teams on, on route to that also championship. And even against the dubs in the first half, they were fairly, you know, competitive. You've Thomas Gallagher in there, very bright player. You've experienced players like Martin Riley and and Raymond Gallagher and goal. You've Patrick Faulkner who's come through. Like a lot of very, very good quality players. But for them to go down to division four, another relegation under their management, I mean, just a lot of um a lot of question marks there and I've given them an F. Like I think the fact that they got beaten by Wicklow as well, like with all due respect to Wicklow, like Cavan really should have been winning that game. And look, fair enough, they actually did show some positive signs against Tyrone, but I think that's kind of been the story for Cavan in 2021. Against Derry, they looked decent at different points as well, lost that game. So against higher quality opposition, they've showed some sort of quality, but ultimately in the end, it's it's counted for nothing because they did beat, uh, they, they won one league game, I remember, against Longford. But other than that, you know, fairly, fairly disappointing from a, from a Cavan point of view. Very disappointing, considering the players he listed there, some superb talent in that Cavan team, and considering they were regulars in the under-20 semi-finals around 13 and 14, like, the development line seems to be going well in Cavan, considering they won the Ulster last season, but for this season at least, certain if. I'm sorry, but, look, I, I don't think it's a disaster for Cavan. Mickey Graham's a decent manager. They will come back next year. They'll they'll get promoted for Division 4, let's be real, I think. Tipperary aren't at the level of Cavan. I think most of the Tipperary players have moved away, whereas the Cavan players, most of their big players have stayed on and they will improve next season and still be a decent side for anybody in the Ulster Championship. Like him. But the thing was, I was listening to, I think it was Martin McHugh in commentary on the way down the car uh, during the Cavan Tyrone game and he was saying it's, it's what Cavan do every year once they win the Ulster Championship. They you know, relax a small bit. I don't know, would that be a fair assumption of Cavan over the last few years? But but even if Martin McHugh says this, and considering he managed Cavan to their last Ulster title before last year, obviously, I don't know, is that, is that entirely true? If it is, well, I suppose they'll move on to next year now. Maybe this year was a bit of a hangover, considering it was such a big achievement. But considering the other semi-finals in 2020, I, I thought Cavan were much more they belong much more in there rather than Tipperary. I thought Tipperary, you know, struggled badly against Mayo. Uh, Cavan, they performed well in the first half against Dublin, in all honesty. They just lacked the legs at the end of us and they were they tired towards the end. So I think the future is bright for Cavan. I think they just had a bad year this year. And with Mickey Graham there, I think he's one, again, a brilliant manager in Ireland, one of the best managers in Ireland, in my opinion. But it was a disappointing year. I think it was a bit of a hangover after the Ulster final last year. But they'll improve next year. They'll get promoted for Division 4. I'll be confident saying that. Um, it's an F this season. But I think they will be back, no doubt, next year. Yeah, they definitely have quality players there, no doubt about it. And although they do have a couple of aging players, they do still have a, a good crop of young players there as well. And I do think the qualifiers next year, in particular, like speaking about Ulster sides, I think it's very important that we have those qualifiers there next year or, or whatever way they decide to, to structure the championship because you know i do think a side like having could go on a bit of a run through the qualifiers they could build a bit of momentum you know get a couple of victories and and really push on from there so not impossible for for a county like having no doubt about it i suppose for uh for Derry, i mean what a what a year for them i mean obviously won every game in the league won every game very very comfortably you know, producing a lot of very good players. Shane McGuigan really stepping it up this year with, with four points. 
you know, you've got the likes of Emma Bradley in midfield. You've got Connor Glass, who obviously came back from AFL. He's looking very good. Very good defence in the likes of Chrissy McCaig and, and Brendan Rogers. Like, Derry are one of those sides that, you know, would be very interesting to watch next year because, you, you know, you forget that Derry were beaten by a point against Donegal with that late, you know, Paddy McBearty point. If you go back and watch Donegal against Tyrone, like, Donegal were ahead against thrown by two points so up until that Michael Murphy penalty. He misses it. He gets sent off. Tyrone turned the game around. I do think Tyrone would have won that game anyways, but like, you know, I don't think the gap between Tyrone and Donegal is that big. So, you know, again, these Ulster counties are going to be very, very exciting going into to, to 2022. And what have you gone for with Derry? I think it's an absolute certainty. Superb season. Absolutely Superb from Derry. And even though I go back, I was interviewing Chris McKeag at the podcast earlier on the year, and he was saying, a lot of these Derry players are now back. Rory Gallagher has had a year to prepare. And the people listening to my podcast were like, what the hell is he talking about? He's a bit biased in a way. But in fairness, he was right. Derry were onto something. They were onto something special. And they only lost one game this year to Donegal by a point. And that was a heartbreaking defeat. If they only just kicked the ball over the bar in the last few minutes, rather than just passing it around. But... I suppose that's something they have to learn from. You have to take learning course from that. But, yeah, superb season. Absolutely superb. And I'm hearing the news as well. Anton Tohal, Anthony's son, is back in Ireland. He's doing his course in some university. So he might be back in the reckoning for Derry football. You look at him, Connor Glass there, Shane McGuigan, Chrissy McCaig, uh, Benny Heron. Some superb players in Derry. And I'd be very fearful. I would be fearing Derry next season in Division 2, definitely. I think they they could even chance for promotion. I know this might be a bit premature, but they could definitely. You look at Galway, they've been inconsistent over the last few years. Ross Common are de- dealing with a new system under Steve, uh, under Poacher. Meath might not have the own players betting through quite yet. So Derry, there's hope there. I think they could easily get to Division 1 next season. Judging by Rory Gallagher is an absolutely brilliant coach. They could have gotten even a better manager there. And if they get Anton Tohal in that team next year, even from the bench, just to in the last few minutes, if they need some legs, like Terry will be a massive threat next year, certainly. And well done to all involved. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to give them a, a guaranteed A as well. And Sean Murphy says Derry and Mead are two teams looking very good for the future. And Emma Quinn says it'll be interesting to see what Armagh and Derry do next year. Absolutely. Like, and I listened to Rory Gallagher actually on, uh, I think it's second, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but it's BBC's podcast. Anyways, I listened to him on that and it was a very, very fascinating and very, one of the most interesting podcasts I've listened to this year, in all honesty. And he was talking about, you know, why would I play a defensive brand of, of football with Derry? You know, fair enough. I did it in the past because, you know, I had to work with the players of what I got. But with Derry, he was saying, you know, with the players that he has, he, he believes that this might be the best team he's ever had. And I thought I found like very interesting comments by himself to, to kind of say something like that, considering he's worked with Donegal in the past. So like, I think for Derry, like they're, they're, they're such an interesting County and like, if they can get things right as well, going into next year, if they can build on it, if they can, you know, with the fact, obviously, hopefully, you know, next year won't be a COVID year. So to be qualifiers, a proper league campaign, like they really, really could build, and like what you said, a promotion is definitely, you know, on the cards. There's no doubt about it. They could very well go up to Division One, as uh, as Liam Horgan says here as well. And then in the Ulster Championship, I mean, obviously, it'd be very hard to get through Ulster. I think you know it's fair to say Ulster is the the most difficult province at the moment, but you just never know. Like an All Ireland quarter final or, or something to that effect. Like if they get you know a nice run in the qualifiers, 
like it's it's not impossible like if you're to look through the, the counties that i couldn't see Derry beaten i don't think they'd be kerry in 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 munster i don't think they'd be mayo although you know they nearly did actually a couple of years ago in uh, in connacht they could very well beat galway it's not impossible you're looking at leinster i don't think they'd beat the dubs but all the other leinster counties they could beat so like getting to an all-ireland quarterfinal through the the qualifiers like i don't think that's impossible either absolutely and considering you just listened to that podcast with Roy Gallagher. That's very interesting to hear, right? Considering he managed Johnny Gall, let's not forget, and Johnny Gall and the likes of Michael Murphy, Paddy McBriarty, and they still play the defensive system. So that is very fascinating indeed, and it shows how good uh, players are in Derry at the moment. And considering they won the minor title, the delayed minor title this year against Kerry, and some very good players there, like Matthew Downey's a real find. And you look at Benny Heron. Shane McGuigan, Matthew Downey, Connor Glass, Anton Tohill. There's so many to name. Uh, Noel Lachlan's another one from centre forward. Like the talent is oozing there. It's absolutely incredible the talent they have in that team. And to have a superb coach like Rory Gallagher as well, times look very good for Derry. And considering the qualifiers is in next year, yeah, I think they could go pretty far. They could even go to the Super 8s next season. And who knows, they could even get pro to Division 1. Those two achievements would be absolutely superb for Derry and their development. Absolutely. We'll move on to Down. I mean, an interesting one with Down. Like, they did stay in Division 2. They lost all their, their league games up until the Westmead game. Obviously, they beat Westmead um, and, and stayed in, in Division 2. Obviously, got a victory over Leash. So, they won two of their four league games, albeit maybe against less opposition and, and leash who with all due respect like we've given them an f already and like down even though they got hammered against Donegal, like i did see some quality in there like barry o'hagan looks like a very good player when he gets going he scored eight points that day kayla mooney got a goal uh, in the second half like he is a very impressive player obviously haven't played afl in the past as well you know there is quality there like liam kerr as well but again obviously they've a, you know paddy tally's obviously stepped away there'll be new management in there next year there is potential there and down. Like, there is good players. But like what you said with Cork, they seem to be one of these counties that has potential, has players, you know, gets a, a big result here. Like, for example, last year, very close to getting to an Ulster final. Like, they had Cavan on the ropes. They should have beaten them. They couldn't see out the game. Cavan came back and won the game. So, like, it does seem like any time down seem to be making a step forward to take a step back. And next year will be very interesting. And, like, to be honest with you, it depends on their management. It's going to be tough to see how they stay in Division 2 next year. It's going to be very tough to see how they stay in Division 2. I think the only team that is actually worse than them at the moment is Cork, in all honesty. I think Offaly have improved vastly. I think Clare are decent side. So it's it's going to be very, very tough for Down, in all honesty. I've, I don't know about being a bit harsh here. I'd give them an F, considering they performed very poor against Mead. They were... They were criticised heavily after their performance that day, playing defensive tactics. Colm O'Rourke, especially on League Sunday that night. Um, I suppose they beat Westmead. Pre- like Westmead would have been disappointed to lose to Down, so that was kind of lucky there. And Leash, well, Leash were very poor this year, so I suppose it wasn't really that big a win. And just to see them get trashed by Johnny Gall, like it, it's sad to see. In all honesty, with with Down, like. I get, yeah, they're in a tough, tough Ulster championship. But over the last few years, at least they've been kind of competitive over the last few years. But they got to an Ulster final in 2017. They beat Monaghan. So they, they're not that far away over the last few years. But against Donegal, they weren't that great. Barry O'Hagan, as I said, Quayle and Moody, some brilliant players there. But 
like you wonder Kilku are doing so well in the club championship and you you wonder how them players aren't integrated into this down team and doing so well that's a bit of a mystery in all honesty but um I suppose it depends who they appoint next year. I don't know who it will be. I don't know. Would it be Pete McGrath, maybe? I, I, I don't know who they'll appoint, honestly. But Paddy Taddy probably had to step down this season. But it'd be interesting who they get. But for this season, I'd probably give them an F. I'm kind of expecting more from Don, considering the underage channel coming through. Obviously, the under-20s. That's something to be hopeful about. And the cool side in the club championship. So the, the talent is there on Down. The question is whether they use that talent to their advantage or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose moving on to Fermanagh, uh, very interesting year for Fermanagh, obviously. I mean, at the start of the year, I think a lot of people had them as a, as a team maybe to go down. I mean, personally, I thought they'd get relegated, obviously, under Ricey McManaman. I felt like there was too many changes going on in terms of, you know, player a lot of players opting out. And it just felt like a bit of a transition. Like, they had a lot of young players coming through. I thought it was going to be very difficult in, in the group that they were in alongside Derry and Cavan. But fair play to them like massive achievement like you know one win away from promotion to division two that would have been a significant achievement and fair enough they obviously you know got beat out the gate by by Monaghan in that Ulster championship game but there were positives and given the players that they're bringing through at the moment like Connor Love and, and Darren McGurn like there is you know positives there and then Sean Quigley like top quality footballer no doubt about it like some of his performances in the in the league were absolutely brilliant so what have you gone for here? Yeah, it, it was a decent season for, for, for Mano. I was originally going to give him a D, but considering what you said there about the beating Cavan for being one win away from Division 2, considering what happened last year with the COVID problems in for Mano, that was a brilliant achievement for Royce McMenamin. Maybe he should have stayed on just to develop the work he's done. I'd give him a C, in all honesty. I think it's in line with expectations. It's not above expectations whatsoever. They lost awfully, pretty disappointing at the end. They, well, I suppose, yeah, I, I'd give them a C, I'd stick to a C, considering, well, they only won one game this year. It was an impressive win, don't get me wrong, against Cavan, but they drew against Longford. They lost heavily to Derry. They lost awfully, and they lost heavily to Monaghan. So, I suppose it's an okay season, but it's not a particularly good season either, so I'd give them a C, personally. Yeah, and we forgot poor Donegal. I think I let my uh, my alphabetic skills down there. We forgot to discuss Donegal before uh, all the Donegal fans come in in the in the comments down below. Yeah, I suppose Donegal there, they're another interesting one as well. Like uh, you know, some positives in Division One. Like definitely gave a, a lot of good performances, bringing through you know great players at the moment like Kayla McGonagall and still have Michael Murphy in there. But Donegal is an interesting one because I often wonder like. They had Tyrone's number for years there. Like they were beating Tyrone more than anyone was beating Tyrone. Like they beat them in the league this year as well. They beat them in the championship and the league last year. They seem to have Tyrone's number. And like when you looked at the first quarter when they played each other in the Ulster Championship, you would have thought the same as well. Like they'd, you know, comfortably, you know, they were ahead. Uh, they'd obviously, you know, Michael Murphy had that penalty. They were creating all sorts of goal chances. Noel Morgan was making some big saves, to be fair to him. And then obviously Michael Murphy gets sent off for that kick out on, on Kira McGeary. And the game really just changed from then. And Tyrone really took the initiative and, and won the game quite comfortably. But it is interesting with Donegal because, you know, when you when you look at the fact that Tyrone have won the All-Ireland and the fact that Donegal have beaten Tyrone more than anyone over the past couple of years, you know, Donegal must be, you know, when they seen Tyrone win that All-Ireland, I'd say a lot of the Donegal players 
you know, that probably lit a fuel or a fire under their belly a little bit because they're like, how, how have they gone and win the, won the All-Ireland when we've been the ones that have been beating them consistently? Like, it's it's an interesting point of view, I think. It is very interesting, but it's probably been the story of Donegal, in all honesty, over the last few years. They were all earned contenders at around 18, 19, and then they go into the Super 8s and they fail miserably. Um, that's... Yeah, I suppose the Cavan game was a testament to that last year as well. I don't know what it is about Donegal, but once they get one game away or two games away from a quarter from a semi-final, they fail. I, I don't know what it is. Is that a mentality thing with Donegal? It's clearly not the players because I think Ryan McHugh, Michael Murphy, Paddy McBreary, Quayna McGonagall, another one, some superb players, Owen Bon Gallagher as well. So it isn't a player's issue. Declan Bonner, I think, is a a stew coach as well, so I don't think it's him. I don't know, it's just a mentality issue with Donegal. Yes, they got close to Throne, but I'd probably give him a D, considering they reached the Ulster semi-final. They were decent in fairness against Dublin in the league as well. And, yeah, I suppose they beat down, they hammered down, but against Derry, they probably should have lost that game in any other day. And, uh, yeah... They would keep kicking themselves absolutely after Tyrone winning the All Ireland the way they did, but yeah, I'd probably give him a D. But it's an interesting topic, alright? Like how Johnny Gall actually fail at the last hurdle before the semi finals? I don't know what you think about that yourself, Aaron, but it's kind of fascinating indeed. Yeah, like, and I suppose it's it's one of them things. Like when we were discussing earlier about Joe Brawley kind of coming out with that article, and a lot of people, you know, dishing out heavy criticism to the to the Mayo footballers. Like, you know, it's interesting how some counties seem to get a free pass, and I feel like Donegal are one of them counties for whatever reason. You know, have gotten a bit of a free pass over the last couple of years. Like, fair enough. I know they've only won two All Irelands in their history, and you know, pre twenty eleven, they they weren't a side that was traditionally winning Ulster titles year in year out. But I feel like they've such a good team like they've such good players you know in there like Michael Murphy and you know you think of Paddy McBrearty in there as well and Declan Bonner obviously as as the manager like they'd won two Ulster titles back to back they have a really good side and the fact that they can't even seem to get into the final four of the All-Ireland series and you know losing to Cavan last year like I do feel like they're a side that's really underachieving a bit and I feel like you know like what I was saying before the fact that Tyrone have kicked on and got another level and gone all the way to win the All-Ireland I feel like Donegal fans in particular must be very frustrated watching that because, you know, they're, they're a side that has the talent, that has the players there. You know, you think of Pat Mogan as well, like all sorts of quality in that Donegal side. Absolutely, yeah. And you look at the young players coming through that Donegal system as well. Like, there's some support players in that Donegal team. The fact they don't, they haven't got to another semi-final since 2014. That was the year they obviously knocked out Dublin in a shock result under Jim McGuinness. Like, they haven't reached an all-earned semi-final since Jim McGuinness was in charge. Like, that's a long time, considering the players Donegal have. I don't know. Again, is this a mentality issue with Donegal? I I don't know. It's as, as we said already, it's not the players. Like, they have some outstanding talent in that team. But, I don't know. They just, they just fail once they're one game away from the semi-final. I don't know. Is it the fact they just bottle it? I I, I really don't know is what goes on in the dress room there, but Declan Bonner is staying on another year. I don't know what Donegal fans think about that. It was the time for him to go. I, I, I don't know really. Like they they won two Ulster titles. They lost the Ulster final last year and they lost the semi final this year. So in that way, they've actually regressed rather than progressed. I I, I don't know what Donegal fans think about that. So 
would they have been better off with a new manager, new ideas to try and break that semi-final stranglehold? Maybe they should have, in all honesty. And yeah, pe- people need to start looking at Donegal. Like they were all our contenders and always a many pundits going into the Super Rates in 2018 and 2019. I can remember like they were hammering out so sides, like including Tyrone in the 2019 semi-final. But then when they reached the Super Rates, it, it, they just don't do it whatsoever. They only win one game max. So I know what's wrong with uh, Donegal over the last few years. They definitely hit the players, but the mentality, there's an issue there, and you just can't quite put your finger on what's the problem. Yeah, James LeBron says I'd, I'd give one more year for Bonner at least reach a, a semi-final. Yeah, definitely, you know, for, for Declan Bonner, I know there definitely was a lot of Donegal fans that were saying, you know, maybe they need a change in management or, you know, maybe if Jim McGuinness was available, they'd, they'd go and bring him back in and who knows whether there was discussions behind the scenes. I've given them a D in the end, like I suppose, to, to wrap up on Donegal. What have you gone for? I've gone for a D as well. Like, under expectations, just under that. They didn't do too well next year, but they'll be back next year. But again, the mentality issue was there, but I'll give him a D for league and championship this season. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose one of the most improved teams, really, in, in 2021, in my opinion, has been Monaghan. Like, when you think back to last year, when Banty McEnany came in, they obviously had that very disappointing defeat against Cavan. They were ahead for the majority of the game. It obviously went to extra time, and, and Cavan came back and, and won the game. You're thinking this year, very poor start to the league, lost to Armagh. We were beginning to think that maybe Monaghan were starting to come to a bit of, you know, the end of an era. You know, a lot of players were maybe getting older. They didn't quite have the same talent coming through. But to be fair to them, they turned it around. They got that huge win against Galway. Obviously, in the relegation playoff, they fought back from the dead. You know, players like Connor Connor McManus once again, you know, scoring big points. Jack McCarran stepping up. Aaron Mulligan looks like a fantastic addition to the side as well. Um, Darren Hughes as well, Kieran Hughes, like these guys being there in the big moments when it matters and getting past our man, a very tough game on a very tough day. Let's not forget as well uh, for, for Monaghan GA. So to get that victory and then against Tyrone, like again, we were talking about Donegal and, and that kind of, you know, factor that Donegal were so close. Monaghan were so close, you know, just a point in the difference. And who knows what would have happened if, if Monaghan had gone on and won that game. So personally, I've given Monaghan a B. I think, um, you know, a lot of positive signs there, no doubt about it. You know, you could argue an A, but I do still think, you know, they're in a relegation playoff, obviously. And, you know, the fact is they got to a, an Ulster final. They didn't quite win it. So I've gone for a B. What have you gone for? Gone for B as well, maybe a bit higher considering that the population in Monaghan, considering that, and they only lost to the All Ireland champions by a single point, they're punching above their weight in many ways. Like, you look at the young talent coming through there, it's not stopping. And fair play to Monaghan, they're sticking by their beliefs, they're doing absolutely brilliant work at underage level, and it's proving dividends as shown by this year or years gone by. Like in 2018, they reached the All Ireland semi final. So it, it has gone on a long time and you look at, yes, Conor McManus and a few of them players, Rory Began are getting older, but you look at the younger players coming through, as I said, Art Mulligan, Sean Jones is another good young player, Conor McCarthy, who scored a hat-trick against Donegal. People seem to forget that. That was a, one of the best performances of the year. Uh, you look at Jack McCarron, I thought, has really come into his own this year, superb talent. Ryan Wiley, I thought, was superb this season. Roy McAdespi was unlucky maybe not to get an all-star wing back. He was usually a forward, but he's changed to wing back now. So Monaghan have had an absolutely outstanding year. And considering the population of the county, they are punching above their weight big time. And I'd, I'd have to give them a B. 
Banty McEnany looks like he's here to stay. He's done an absolutely superb job so far. And I think they'll do well in Division 1 next season, considering the young players coming through and Conor McManus. I think he'll be there for another couple of years to come. So, yeah, it's it's an absolutely brilliant brilliant achievement by Monaghan. I see a few comments coming in, R.I.P. Ogie, and I suppose to do it for him over the next few years as well. They definitely did it for him in the Armagh game, a superb performance. And yeah, yeah, it was a emotional year for Monaghan overall, uh, considering Banty McEnany lost one of his dear friends as well, I believe, before the Armagh game as well. So it was an emotional year for Monaghan, but a great year as well. And I'd have to give them the B, superb. And they're punching above their weight, as I said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, I suppose, you know, play that day, <clears throat> first of all, like given everything that was going on, there was a lot of talk, maybe the game shouldn't have gone ahead and it went ahead and, you know, just a very spirited performance. You're thinking of Aaron Mulligan as well, who would have been, you know, close friends with, with Brendan as well. So the fact that they, you know, came through that game and won that game, I think they deserve all sorts of credit and, and definitely, you know, like, you know, you'd have to tremend all the, the Monaghan lads for the spirit and, and passion that they showed that day, no doubt about it. I suppose last but not least in uh, in Ulster, and that is Tyrone. Uh, I suppose it, it is an A, like let's be perfectly honest. I mean, winning the All-Ireland their first in 13 years. Um, and, and given the fact that, you know, I obviously made a video at the start of the year discussing how Tyrone could be dark horses. And then I seen them in the league and I thought it's too soon. Like they're, they're just not quite there yet. Uh, I didn't think they'd beat Donegal, in all honesty, I just didn't think they were they were at that level yet. Conor McKenna wasn't producing the same form as last year. We didn't really know much about Cahill McShane, whether he was coming back or whether he wasn't. So like obviously a serious injury. We 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 didn't even know if he'd ever play again. Like let's be perfectly honest. Um, they had defensive issues as well after that Kerry game, but I mean we're talking about an improved team. What a turnaround from them! Like and you know you could argue an A plus or even above an A if there was a grade there as well because. Like the fact that they've gone and, and won the All Ireland and beaten Kerry, who were the favourites, and then beat Mayo, the side who you know beat the Dubs. They beat Division One sides in Donegal and Monaghan as well. They beat the Ulster champions, like the stuff of legends, really, and and, and dreams and, and just unbelievable stuff from Toronto. Remarkable and unbelievable achievement. And Brian Doher and Fergal Logan, their first year, well done to them. And yeah, like I was chatting to Owen Mulligan on the podcast earlier on the year and. Even he was saying Brian Dewar, former teammate of his, of course, was a born leader and he would revel this Tyrone team. And maybe it was time for Mickey Hart to move on. I don't know, most people would have thought maybe he was treated disrespectfully, but maybe Tyrone people had a point. Maybe they needed ideas, new ideas, fresh ideas. And even uh, Owen was saying on my podcast, the game of football has moved on. And Tyrone definitely proved this year the attacking football they play, not just defensively. They work like dogs, don't get me wrong, but attack-wise, the way they, they attack for the second goal, particularly in the All-Ireland final, Con Kilpatrick catching a high ball from straight away from the Isle Morgan kick-out within about two or three seconds, the ball's in the back of the net. Superb play from Tyrone and a guaranteed A. Like, considering where they were in the league, got hammered by Kerry, but maybe that's a lesson to every other team. Don't take the league too seriously, especially for Division 1 size, because championship is kind of where it matters. It's where it's at. And Tyrone were gearing towards that. And as you said, the run, it was the hardest possible, in all honesty. They beat the Ulster champions, and then they beat four Division 1 sides to win the All-Ireland. Deserving All-Ireland champions. Superb. And 
the training facility they have up there. I've seen a few few images of that and off the ball or whatever. It's absolutely superb what they have up there and developing youngsters. Their minor players look like seniors already. I know they lost the final to me, but they look in superb condition. And the future looks very bright for Tyrone, not just this year. So, yeah, superb, guaranteed. And well done to all involved in Tyrone. They definitely deserve us and were the All-Ireland champions for 2021. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and I suppose for Tyrone, like, could you see Tyrone maybe now going into a bit of a like, given the fact that their age profile is pretty good <clears throat> with the likes of Padraig Hamsey and, and whatnot, and some of the other players that are coming through? Like, could you see Tyrone maybe kind of kicking on a bit more and maybe you know, getting winning another All Ireland maybe in the next couple of years? I could definitely see it in the next couple of years. It'll probably be hard to do back to back considering that great team with the Kavanaghs, the Mulligans, the Doers didn't do back to back. And they were considered one of the greatest teams of all time. If this team does back-to-back, like, that'll be a superb achievement. But there is the question, like, people say, Tyrone aren't able to do back-to-back. Who's there to beat them? Because I don't think Kerry have a strong defence. Dublin apparently are in a bit of transition or in a bit of disarray at the moment. Mayo, like, they can't... Like, um, poor Mayo people, they can't win All-Ireland. So... And then chasing pack, in my opinion, are not good enough to win the All-Ireland. So it's definitely a possibility for Tyrone to win the All-Ireland in the next few years. Do I think they'll go on the same road as Dublin? I don't think so. I I think it has to be a completely special team to eclipse what Dublin have done. But if they do, it'll be absolutely some feat. But the future looks very bright in Tyrone. I think they could win maybe three All-Irelands maybe in the next five, six years. Whether I think they'll do five or six in a row like Dublin did, I'm not so sure. We'll have to see over the next few years. But the future is bright considering the young players coming through. And you look at Colin McShay and Conor McKenna, that forward line is absolutely frightening. And a lot of the players that were noticed a few years ago are now becoming stars. The likes of Con Kilpatrick, Kieran McGeary, Polly Hamsey, Niall Slotton. There's some superb there, players there in Tyrone. So, of course, they could win a few alerts in the next few years. Whether they'll do back-to-back, I'm not so sure it'll be a superb team to do that. Yeah, like, and I suppose me and you both had the <clears throat> opinion that uh, Cahill McShane should go and, and, and win an All-Star. Like, obviously, a bit of a, a controversial opinion, I suppose, in, in many ways, given the fact that he hasn't started any game. But I, I really do think that Cahill McShane should win an All-Star. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, 2-8 in the championship, Every game, he came off the bench, he made a difference. He, ma- he made a difference coming off the bench against Donegal. He made a difference coming off the bench, you know, obviously uh, in, in the semi-final and final as well. So I think a tremendous year for, for Tyrone and a, a tremendous year, no doubt about it, for Colin McShane. Yeah, superb. I've seen you put him on your team of the year. I had my, uh, my team of the year out as well. Colin McShane was on that. Look, he scored 2-8 in the championship. Two goals that mattered at crucial moments. Like, you can't ask for any more from the guy. Like, he's been absolutely superb. And people saying David Clifford deserves more. David Clifford performed in one game this year. So, like, I think Cahill McShane definitely deserves one because he's performed in more games than the likes of Clifford this season. And he performed in the games that mattered most in Crow Park to get teams out of ruts. Like, they were losing that game to Kerry, and Kerry seemed to put... um, have a grip on that game, and he comes up with a goal of magical moments, and then the goal against Mayo, the president point to flick it beyond Robbie Henley, superb goal, and 
he absolutely deserves an all-star in my opinion it is controversial but look there's a first time for everything and yeah maybe it's a first time for a player to get an all-star while being a soap most of the time he definitely deserves it in my opinion Absolutely, yeah. My voice is uh, gone here at the moment, so do bear with me as we uh, we get through these last few counties. But um, yeah, like it is mad, mad as well to think that Toronto are actually fourth favourites yeah, in the bookies going into next year's All Ireland. Like Dublin, Kerry, Mayo, all ranked ahead of Toronto. Like that is that is baffling in many ways, and you can understand like some Toronto supporters who say you know we're disrespected and and all the rest. Like because like when you're four favourites after being All Ireland champions, like that's mental. It is. Oh, you heard that in the podcast with yourself, uh, John, Sean, and Daniel recently. Like, I couldn't believe it, in all honesty. Like, you win the All-Ireland and your four favourites. When's the last time that happened? I I actually can't remember. Even Cork in 2010 weren't even four favourites. I think we were second or something. But Toronto to be four favourites, that, that's baffling, in all honesty. Like, Dublin have regressed. Kerry don't have a defence. And Mayo, like... People betting on Mayo to win the All Ireland, flipping hell! Like I, I don't know what to think of that. Maybe the bookies are just trying to, maybe they're bankrupt or something. They're trying to get more money or something like that. It's, there has to be something behind this logic because how can a team win the All Ireland and then they're four favourites for the next season? Like I, I've never heard of it in my life in any sport. In all honesty, maybe I just like. I'm trying to think of sports. I'm thinking leads football at me, but even there in the top three, at least, I'd say. So to put Tyrone fourth, like in any sport, that is absolutely baffling. I I can't believe it. Surely the bank have to be struggling with money and to have this sort of, this sort of plan to try and get more money in for themselves. That has to be the only solution, surely, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, it is it is baffling, all right. Like, it, it certainly doesn't make sense. Dan was saying there, as Kildare being talked about, we discussed uh, Kildare a little bit earlier. And obviously, once the stream is finished, you can go back and, and have a look to, to see us discuss Kildare. We'll move on to Connacht anyway and get through those counties. Galway, I suppose, <clears throat> an interesting year for, for Galway, no doubt about it. Um, Obviously, relegate from Division 1. Like, Galway are one of those sides, again, you know, they like like what I was saying with Donegal, like, they seem to be getting a bit of a, a free pass to a certain extent, you know, like, a lot of people criticising Mayo and whatnot. Like, Galway have some really good players, like, a lot of very good underage players coming through. Won the under-20 All-Ireland there, obviously, in 2020. You know, you've got players like Tom O'Clahan coming through, Matthew Tierney, you know, and obviously, you've, you've all sorts of quality, like, Robert Finnerty's come in, Damian Comer came back from injury, uh, Paul Kelly, Shane Walsh came back from injury as well. Like so, Galway do have a, a lot of very, very good players, but it just seems to be that they can't seem to, you know, win those games against Mayo. They can't seem to quite kick on. And look, maybe they will next year under Podrick Joyce. Obviously, the lockdown has, has affected them quite a lot as well. You know, it definitely you know interrupted that momentum they had pre-COVID. So, I suppose from from a Galway point of view, disappointing. And what have you gone for? I've gone for D personally, slightly under expectations. Like considering since COVID began, they've only beaten one team in two games, Ross Common. That that's about it. And that's kind of shocking in many ways for Galway. And think about see we talked about Tyrone recently and Galway before COVID in, in around February or March before the whole the COVID thing uh, lockdown began, Galway beat Tyrone two twenty-five to twelve points. Hard to believe now, isn't it? Like, Galway were considered all Ireland favourites back then, including myself. I don't know why I back Galway, but you could, you could kind of see why. Like, they, 
they seem to be uh, getting in players at the right time. Paul Conroy seemed to be performing. Shane Walsh, Damien Comer, some superb performances, but it's kind of dried up now. And consider it Toronto have won the All-Ireland. Galway fans must be kicking themselves, in all honesty, considering they trashed Tyrone before lockdown even began. So, yeah, I, I'd probably give him a D. But the first half performance against Mayo, what I will say, that was positive signs for Galway. Like Shane Walsh, Damien Comer seemed to be ripping that Mayo defence apart. But the second half was very disappointing. I don't think they only scored one point, maybe even none from play in that second half against Mayo. That was shocking uh, statistic indeed. So, look, I'd probably give him a D, slightly under expectations, but they should improve next year because the first half against Mayo was promising signs, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd give them a D as well. Like I think there is there is players there, and maybe when Shane Walsh is another year coming back from, from injury and whatnot, like maybe he's a player who can really kick on and, and, and certainly dominate, you know, and certainly be a top class footballer. Like there's no doubt about it. We've seen what he done in the first half. And like the first half against Mayo would give Galway a lot of positives. It would give them, you know, a lot of confidence going into 2022 and maybe with the qualifiers as well. Like realistically they're always gonna, you know, they're they're probably gonna get to a conic final, semi-final at least. So they're always gonna have a bit more time in the in the qualifiers. So certainly Galway, no doubt about it, have the talent and, and have the players and like what we were saying before, like, you know, with the under 20s and whatnot, like that there is players there. They just need to start winning more games. And actually, maybe them in Division 2 might help because maybe then they might have, you know, more winnable games and they might be able to build a bit of momentum. And like what you said against Tyrone, like that was a very interesting point that you made there, like going back to that Tyrone victory. Like you do forget they absolutely wiped the floor with, with Tyrone. And that's the last time they actually played Tyrone as far as I remember as well. So um yeah i mean maybe next year it might help them in division two a bit like what we've seen with with donegal and, and i suppose with mayo when they've gone down to division two absolutely and uh, i suppose division two is a, a step down look at the teams in there like even you look at this year like a hammer by Kerry. that's going to do no go to confidence with the players like tom O'Callaghan or jack lynn or any of those players who were playing that day but they do have brilliant players coming through like matthew tierney is an outstanding player Tom O'Callaghan is an outstanding player, even as 19, 20 years of age. Absolutely superb. Jack Lynn. Like, they do have the talent, Galway. And even the senior players, Paul Conroy, Shane Walsh, Damien Comer. There is talent in that team. Johnny Healy as well. But it's about putting it together. And I suppose Division 2 hit them a small bit. And Connacht isn't that competitive as it used to be. Like, Ross Commoner, a bit, bit of transition as well. Mayo might be reeling after this year or so. Maybe even a Connacht is on the line for Galway next season. So it should be very interesting to see how they develop. They definitely have the players. It's a question about putting it together. But I think Park Joyce is probably the right man to take charge of them. He's trying to implement an attacking philosophy, which which the previous management team didn't do with Galway. And that was quite frustrating within the Galway fan base. So I think he is the right man to bring them through. But next year will be the proof of the pudding. If they could perform next year... He's the right man for the job. If they can't, I, I think he has to go next year. But next year will be very interesting for Galway fans. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose, yeah, I'd, I'd give them a D as well. Moving on, discussing Leitrim briefly. 
obviously, you know, lost every game in, in Division 4. They were coming down from Division 3. Obviously, very tough for them, you know, to, to be somewhat competitive with Mayo. Like, Mayo were always going to beat them quite comfortably. And I do think at, at the same time, like, obviously, the structure of the championship and, you know, all the rest, like, we can definitely discuss that another day. But I've given them an F, and it might seem a bit harsh. You know, you might ask you the question, like, what more can can Leitrim really do? Like, what more can they achieve for a county like that? But let's not forget they were coming down from Division 3, uh, a lot of talented players, like Rhino Work, very top-class player. For whatever reason, he couldn't get a kick of a ball this year. I don't know if that was an injury or whether it was something going on behind the scenes. I'm not quite so sure. Terry Hyland, you know, done a great job at Leitrim over the past couple of years. I suppose there was not a lot more really he could do. He's obviously stepped down now. But I suppose for Leitrim, what have you gone for? I, I've maybe been, been too nice to Leitrim. I might give him a D, considering, like, most of their players just they have to commute from Dublin. It's a it's a very hard job being a Leitrim footballer, in all honesty. Like, I actually had Ryder Rourke on the podcast earlier in the year, funnily enough, and yes, he's a brilliant player, and yes, you have to be positive with your own county, but he says there's a kind of title in this Leitrim team. I, I don't know, was he being jo- was he joking or was he trying to be positive? But like there's hard it's hard to see how Leitrim win a kind of title in all honesty. Like they're like they're a small county. They were punching above their waist, challenging the likes of Cork in Division Three. Like like I think it kind of stopped there in all honesty. Like you have to wonder what players are coming through other than Ryan or maybe Keith Byrne is a decent player there, but the beat they got against Mayo, it was kind of it was sad to see, in all honesty. And Terry Highland just left. What more could he do with this league, this bunch of players? Uh, in, like I'd have to give him a D, maybe I'm being a bit too generous to lead from, but look, th- it was a tough year for them. It was a really tough year for them, and maybe they'll improve once the Tarleton Cup comes in next season. Hopefully they'll improve because there's some smashing players in that lead from side and they deserve a lot better. But for now, I'd, I'd have to give him a D, maybe being a bit too nice. But it was a very hard year to watch as a Leitrim fan. Yeah, I can imagine so. Like, an interesting comments, I suppose, from, from Ryan O'Rourke, no doubt about it. And I suppose if you have that belief, you never quite know. Like, I think a lot of people would have probably laughed, you know, when, when maybe Cavan players were saying we can go and win an Ulster title or Tipperary players or, or whatever. So, you know, when they won a Ulster title. So you never quite know. Like, it's not inconceivable. It's not impossible, but it is extremely unlikely. But we will need to keep an eye on, on Leitrim over the next couple of years. We'll move on to Mayo, I suppose. Obviously, a county that a lot of people love talking about, a lot of people love discussing. And, you know, they're one of those counties that you love to hate or hate to love, uh, you know, in, in all honesty. They get to the All-Ireland Final. Such a hard one to judge like you know like they in many ways i feel like they overachieved because by getting to an all-ireland final like beating dublin and and, and all the rest like you had killian o'connor injured as well let's not forget probably their best player so in some respect it's been a brilliant season for mayo but it's just the fact that you look back over recent history and you see that they they keep getting to all-ireland finals and they can't quite get over the line but if we were to look at this year and this year alone like i've given them a b like i, I do still think they've shown progression this year uh to a certain degree given the fact that Killian O'Connor was injured but at the same time like I don't know I, I just don't think that's enough anymore and I think for a lot of Mayo fans they must be scratching their heads thinking like when is this going to change yeah like I've bumped into so many Mayo fans in college over the last few weeks so for some reason they actually come down to Limerick but yeah, it's it's so tough for them. It's so tough for them. I've seen so many Mayo fans down through the years, and 
they're just reading over every all or the final loss. Like I give them a B as well. Like you have to wonder, like when are they going to win in All Ireland? Like I I released an article for a student paper recently about how Mayo didn't win All Ireland. That I actually compared them to Cork in twenty ten. The Cork were beat were beaten so many times by Kerry, and how the hell they um they get back up and win the All Ireland. They did the next year. They had an opportunity of a lifetime. They came up against Down in the All Ireland final, and they beat them. I don't know. Is this a mentality issue with Mayo? Like they, they can't win All Ireland. Maybe it's in the head, or I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they lost Kieran O'Connor, but then again, like Tyrone could call upon the likes of Dara Canavan or Colin McShane or Lee Brennan to come up through the ranks. Look, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one to George and Mayo how they win the All Ireland. But like the way they beat Dublin, yes, it was a phenomenal victory, but it seemed like that was their All Ireland. And look, if you're going to win the All Ireland, you have to set your goals higher than that. And yes, the beating Dublin was an outstanding achievement, but it's no good beating Dublin unless you win it at the end. And Mayo have learned that the hard way over the last few weeks. Um, I'd have to give him a B, but I feel so sorry for their fans, so sorry for their players as well, especially the likes of Lee Keegan, Colin Boyle, Kieran O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea, who put so much of the Mayo GA over the last few years. And I think the things that Joe Brodie has come out with over the last few weeks, it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you look at other counties, put some put some attention on them, the likes of Cork, Galway, Donegal, who haven't got to all the finals in years, who've been disgraceful over the last few years, embarrassments. Mayo have treated their fans to to all other finals year after year, and their fans have been through so much. And you even see the Mayo fans, they enjoy being at all other finals, enjoy being at the occasion. And I, I think the way Joe Brody conducted himself on the independence during the week was absolutely disgraceful, in all honesty. But in this, I'd have to give him a B because they did get over the white line in the end. Yeah, like and Liam Horgan says, I think a B is very unfair on Mayo. Made an All Ireland final and Beck Galway and Dublin and got promoted. Like I know I understand, you know, that kind of point of view. I understand your logic in that, but I do think at the same time, like you need to look at it and think if Mayo won the All Ireland, you'd give them an A. So if they're if they're losing in the final, you give them an A as well. I, I, I can't quite justify giving them an A. And like let's not forget in the final, they were really poor as well. Like in the second half. <clears throat> they just ran out of ideas. They didn't have, you know, they, they, they just didn't have the options there. James Horn, I thought, made some poor decisions with, with players coming off the bench, uh, like bringing Padraig O'Hara off. Didn't quite understand that. You know, Darren McHale is a player who's done really well at club level for Knockmore. And, you know, he's he, he was scoring freely. Like, he, he's, he's I think he's in the top 10 or top six in terms of top scorers in the championship. Fair enough, they were against Leitrim and Sligo. But why are you not bringing him off the bench? Like, that? it just didn't make any sense, you know, in my opinion. I think there's... There's players there, like in my opinion, that like they could have brought off the bench, that could have changed the game. James Carr, I thought, was was way too late, uh, in my opinion. Like when he came off the bench as well, Jordan Flynn the same. So I think for Mayo, like they have players on the bench, they have options there. Connor O'Shea might have been another good option as well. And I understand maybe you don't want to make too many changes with your team, um, but I do think at the same time, like like James Horn's in-game decisions. And I agree with what you said with Joe Brawley, like his article definitely completely out of line. He probably made a good, a few good points about uh, James Horn's in-game decisions, but, you know, his choice of wording was really bad. But what do you think? Do you think James Horn stays on from here or do you think maybe it's time for a change? I think he, he has to stay on. 
Like I, I think he brought them to, to all our finals in a row. Like there's no point in in finishing a job if you haven't set out what you have to achieve and being so close on so many occasions. I think he'll go one, maybe two more years and we'll see it in. But yeah, as you said, with the substitutes there, I know Darren McCain was actually a very interesting point there. James Carr, they brought him in on the additional time, which I thought was a, was just baffling in all honesty because I think James Carr was the kind of player to run at that Toronto defence and Mayo needed runners. I think some of that Mayo team were willing to run at that defence. Oshin Mullen, Porrick O'Hara, Tommy Conroy were willing to run at the defence. Lee Keegan, they were the four players in my opinion. You bring Park O'Hara off and you don't bring on James Carr. I mean, they were absolutely baffling decisions and maybe Mayo's player at times in the all the final, especially in the second half, was slow and lethargic. I, I don't know what most people thought about that, but I thought once you got Tommy Conrad on the ball, you knew what was coming. He'd run at that Toronto defence. If you got, I don't know, Aiden O'Shea on the ball, I don't think... Aiden O'Shea is a brilliant player, but I don't think he's a fella to run at the defence in the last few minutes. He's a fella you put in the square and you loft the ball high into him. Like, I don't know why Mayo didn't use him that way. Like, he would have been handy just to punt the ball long and try and fist the ball home or something like that, not to run at the Toronto defence. So the tactical decisions were a bit questionable. But having said that, I think James Horn, he, he'd want to stay on definitely because he wants to win that All-Ireland title. And considering the way Dublin and Kerry have performed this season, I think it's a realistic game to win the All-Ireland. But you have to question, when's this bad luck going to run out for Mayo? Like, it's... It's a worldwide phenomenon now, um, the Mayo curse, but we'll have to see over the next few years. I'd be for James Horn staying on because he'd want to finish what he set out to do. Yeah, like I think he's done, he's done almost everything right. It's just not get over the line, you know, like in an all Ireland final. Like everything else has been perfect. You know, <clears throat> when you think back to when Mayo were beat by Kildare in 2018 and then obviously beaten by the Dubs in 2019, I don't think any Mayo fans or any GA fans in particular would have predicted that Mayo would get to the next two All-Ireland finals and, and beat Dublin just two years later so I do think you have to put that into perspective he did win a league title as well and he's obviously got them back up to up to Division 1 now as well and Jack Nolte says B plus I suppose yeah like we're, we're not really doing plus or minus grades but I suppose if there was one county you were to give it B plus too I suppose Mayo would, would probably get it uh, with all due respect I suppose we'll move on from Mayo anyways and uh, we'll discuss uh, Ross Common I suppose lastly before we finish up with Sligo I suppose Ross Common I mean, another county again that like just probably has players, has potential. They obviously got to the under-20 final this year, so there is players coming through. But again, like just very disappointing performances. Lost every game in uh, in 2021 and lost the Galway game quite comfortably. Had a defensive system. Let's be honest, it didn't work. You know, a lot of players not really playing to their absolute best. Like, Tony Smith's been looking pretty decent. Other than that, like not really good enough from a Roscommon point of view. Not really, no. It's a disappointing season for Ross Common, but I suppose they're they're trying kind of adjusting to a new defensive system under Poacher. Like it's it's going to be hard to you know adjust to that system, and you have to question: Is Anthony Cunningham going to leave now? Like like it's like it's you know it's kind of bleak at times for Ross Common this year. They they haven't won any game this year. Like as soon as you pointed that out, like. I was originally going to give him a D because they're just into the system, but I, you know, the players they have, considering they lost every game, 
including the Galway, where they were pretty average indeed in Connacht, and they got relegated to top all that off, I'd have to give him an if. I know that might seem harsh on Roscommon, considering the population there, but they won a Connacht title two years ago. They can't be that far away. Um, look, I'd have to, I'd have to give him an if, considering the players they have, and. It's interesting to know will Anthony Cunningham leave the job now? Like, I don't know what Ross Common fans think about that themselves, but I'd, I'd have to give him an F because they lost every game. They got relegated. They went out to Connacht without a whimper. And yeah, it's it's a a pretty bang average season for Ross Common, in all honesty. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to go with an F as well. Like There is potential there. Like like we were saying, there are under 20 players coming through. And obviously, you've Stephen Poacher in there. Like very good coach, no doubt about it. I've listened to him in a couple of podcasts. He definitely knows the stuff. To, there's no doubt about it. So I think for us, common there is still potential. It's not the end of the world. Like it might be the end of an era for a lot of the players that they currently have. Like Connor Cox, probably you know he's more suited to being way further up the pitch. You were seeing him doing some defensive work at different stages against Galway. Gave away a couple of frees, I remember. So there is potential there still for uh, for us, common. I suppose last uh, but not least. In Sligo, I suppose, obviously, a few people were asking about Sligo. We've left them till, till very last, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, like, an interesting one with Sligo, like, obviously, got beaten out of the gate by Mayo, and fair enough. But in Division 4, like, they did show some promise. Like, you know, they obviously won their, their opening game against Leitrim. Did show some promise against Antrim. Nearly came through that game. They've got good young lads coming through. Like, everyone knows who Red Oak Murphy is. Peter Nocton, you know, was one of the top scorers in the in the Mayo Club Senior Football Championship. And his dad's actually from Sligo, which is why he's gone on and, and playing for Sligo. So, like, Sligo are moving in the right direction. They do have, you know, they obviously won the Connacht Minor title there, their first in, in 53 years. So, there is potential there and, and positive signs for Sligo. And going into Division 4 next year, there'll certainly be a county worth keeping an eye on. Absolutely, yeah, and there's some very good young players in that minor team. Like they didn't lie down against Meath either. Like that Meath team, considering what they did against Toronto in the final, that was a superb achievement for you, Sligo, to get that close to that Meath team. And a few of those players, Dylan McLaughlin at centre back looks very good. Luke Marin, so surely he's related to Adrian. Surely, thank God, he's related to Adrian. He has his genes first of all, and he has his second name. So. There could be another Marin uh, like the championship for Sligo in the coming years. But yeah, there's Liam Gotton as well, Red Oak Murphy, superb talent, Peter Nocton. There's some superb talent in Sligo and there's reasons to be optimistic as a Sligo fan. I actually think they could even get promoted to Division 3 next season. I think Cavan are a bit above them. But when you look at the other teams, Tip, Wexford, I think they'd be around that range. So I think Sligo will look at that going up to Division 3 next season and See, there's a realistic opportunity there, and Tony McAdee's an astute coach as well. So things are on the up for Sligo, despite losing the Mayo that heavily. But you have to start at the bottom. You can't start at the top, as we all know. So yeah, it's signs are good for Sligo. I've personally, yes, they have their signs are good, minor title, but this is a senior ranking in all honesty. So I'd probably give them a D, considering they've only won one game this year, as far as I know. I think they beat. They beat only Leitrim this year. We see how bad Leitrim are, unfortunately. So I give Sligo a D, but positive signs are coming in the next few years. There are signs to be optimistic as a Sligo fan. 
Yeah, absolutely. I give them a, a D as well. Like, and yeah, there there definitely is some positives there. I suppose after last year, there weren't too many positives. There definitely are positives this time around. Certainly with some of the young players coming through at the moment, and and definitely for Tony McEntee's men, like it'd be interesting to to keep an eye on them. And I think for counties like Sligo and Leitrim and Wexford, Waterford, they all need games. Like they need games, and and hopefully next year it is an A team tournament in in the national leagues. There is a Talchian Cup as well, and and they do something because these counties do need games, and for a county like Sligo in particular, especially for young players that are coming through, like it's it's no help when you put them up against Mayo, you know, in the in the opening round of the Connacht Championship. Like I think for Sligo, they should have been playing Leitrim, and then the winner play Mayo. At least then you're giving counties more games. So, like, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. And even I, I'd go back to Cora Staunton on the Sunday game. I think she was with Pat Bland and Sean Kavner covered the Mayo Leitrim game. And she was suggesting the ladies' football uh, format having junior, intermediate, senior. I think that would be an absolutely brilliant uh, initiative to have, considering what Mead have done at the ladies' football. And look, it, it, it would be the teams would play at their own level. They get their day out in Crow Park their day out in the sun and it'd be absolutely brilliant for all teams involved and not only that they'll improve year on year you look at me to the ladies football they came out of nowhere in the intermediate championship to suddenly then beating Armagh, Cork and Dublin three favourites of the ladies football championship is absolutely unbelievable so I, I'd be for having that kind of system in the ladies football I suppose the Tadson Cup is it's an okay system but I, I would rather have teams in junior because even in the Talton Cup, you'd still have, like I predict, maybe Cork to go down to the Talton Cup next year. And if they don't reach the Munster final, they could come up against a Leitrim or Sligo and hammer them then because of the players they have. So what good is that going to do uh, County's confidence? So I'd be for having a junior, intermediate, senior, I suppose. What do you think of that, Aaron? Would you be for that? Like, I'd be for it, definitely. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Like, I, I think, like, you have a structure there that works in, in ladies' football. You've seen a, a county that's gone down to intermediate level and they've obviously, you know, got to a couple of intermediate finals and won the the intermediate championship, come up and, and won the All-Ireland championship. Like, you know, and some people would say, oh, well, that would never happen at men's level. But, like, with all due respect, like, you're looking at the, the ladies' football, senior football championship. Dublin were very dominant there. They were winning four in a row. Like, Cork are a very good team. They've all Ireland winners in their team. The most successful county at ladies' senior football level. Armagh probably have the best footballer in the country in terms of Amy Macken. So, like, you know, for, for me to actually go and do that and win the, the championship was nothing short of remarkable. And who's to say maybe a, a Longford or a Cork go down to the tall team cup or, or the you know intermediate championship win it and come up and win in all ireland i know that sounds ridiculous but you never quite know sometimes you just have that momentum and as they say winning breeds confidence and you know you're seeing where even with Derry, for example like i think one of the main reasons why they gave donegal such a good game was because they were coming in on the back of having a lot of confidence they were looking very very good and they had a lot of of confidence going into that game so i think doing something like that like a senior championship an intermediate championship a junior championship i think it would work wonders uh, in the ga i think it does really really well at club level and i don't see why they they couldn't do anything different um i suppose the main kind of thing and the main question and certainly a lot of players concerns would obviously be you know are you going to be left in the dark like if you're in the junior championship is your game going to be on tv you know is there going to be people speaking about the game like our county still going to get discussed because like with all due respect you do see in hurling for example the lower like the real lower levels in hurling don't get discussed enough like very hard to watch any joe mcdonough cup games 
other than the final. So, like, hopefully that is something they address and hopefully that is something they fix. I don't know whether they have to make more TV deals or, or something like that, but that would be the, the only real concern. Yeah, absolutely would. But considering what they did with GA Go this year, which they had mm. 25 euro for the whole year, like, they could do something like that easily next year. Like, have the drum at Dunna Cup or, or Laurie Mar or whatever on GA Go, and you have to pay a fiver for those games or 25 euro for the whole year. That'd be an amazing deal for the people of Ireland next year. And you're right saying that, like Buff Egan has come out and said that in hurling. Like it's nothing short of a disgrace that sides like Kerry or Westmead or Longford and Hurling aren't given the, you know, the attention they deserve. And I think the GA Go deal would be brilliant for the GA. We were talking about Amazon Prime at the start of the year. Maybe they could show a few Joe McDonough Cup games. Games at least that aren't shown on Sky or RTE. That'll give those counties a lot of more exposure and a lot more attention than they definitely deserve. I think GA Go could definitely uh, pull off something remarkable next year by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That'll definitely be something they, they should look at and something they should do anyway, hopefully in the in the near future over the next couple of years. But look, listen, Matthew, I appreciate your time anyway. We've been going for nearly two and a half hours. I think this is a, a record in terms of the uh of terms of the longest podcast I've ever done. And as people can probably tell, my voice is completely gone. So uh it definitely sounds a lot different now to to, to how it did two hours ago. So I think it probably is the right time to uh to finish up. It is, Aaron. Get well soon, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ho- hopefully, I'm okay, anyways. And fingers crossed, I don't have anything else to worry about. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And uh, get well soon, man. You deserve the 2K followers anyway at uh, YouTube. No bother. Thanks very much, Matthew. Thank you. Right.